what you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Friday, October 29th, 2021, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America. Steak for breakfast. So stand by. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. You can find them at manrubs.com. They have rubs, barbecue tools, blowtorches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear, stayreadygear.com, and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom Kydex, magazine carriers, tourniquet carriers, anything you can make out of melted plastic, they can make it for you. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording gear, specializing in headphones, can be found at odyssey.com. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. Don't stop believing whether you're potting, gaming, or even... Recording tunes like this. Oh. Odyssey.com's got everything you need to get your ears feeling right. Check them out. Odyssey.com. Firearms. We need them. At some point later in the show, we're going to talk about them. Ooh. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has got everything you need to get you strapped and packing heat heading into those fall months. New website, westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on the telephone at 619-870-6992 and on Facebook Messenger. Get your ammo from Mike Dunright. First responders, got a couple more uh, ambulance drivers this week sending me their uh, screenshots of steak for breakfast in the Woot Woots. The Wambulance? Yeah. Definitely not what's Wambulancing is their mediocre medic gear on their EMS bags, flip-flops, sweatshirts, and fanny packs for off-duty, and more. They've got a fire IG, and they're at mediocremedic.com. And last but not least, the Patch Father, Mark Joe Friday, owner of Dumpbox.us, home of the Zero Fuck Stuck, if you don't know, DM Mark. He's on uh, Facebook, he's on Instagram, and at Dumpbox.us. And on that note, welcome. Episode 77, Steak for Breakfast podcast. I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's online. Hi, guys. And we've got an action-packed Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast for you guys today. So buckle up, and let's jump right into it. All right, coming up first on the show today, this Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast. She doesn't really need an introduction, but we're going to give her one. She's a gubernatorial candidate out of Arizona. Definitely America first. Miss Carrie Lake, thanks for joining us today. Oh, I'm thrilled. I, I thought we were really going to eat steak for breakfast, so I, I'm kind of disappointed. <laughs> to be honest, when I heard the invite, I thought, this sounds perfect. Well, that's, a, that's no. more of an in-person kind of deal. I'm actually thrilled to be here with you guys. I've heard great things about you. We appreciate that. Um, We're going to get started. How's the campaign trail going for you? 
It's going so well. I'm, I'm, I'm so amazed. I mean, I knew when I jumped in this, that there was an appetite for a non-politician to run. We're so done with these, you know, has been politicians who keep scrolling through. We keep getting the same type of people. So, but I didn't expect Arizona to jump behind me so fast and um, and with such vigor. Immediately, we started seeing um, huge support. Within three weeks, we had enough signatures to be on the ballot in Arizona, which is unheard of. Yeah. The people in the world of politics are still talking about it. Usually it takes candidates until March of April of next year and they have to pay for signatures. We had them within three weeks. We have more volunteers than any other campaign across the country. Nice. And we have more donors here in Arizona than any other race in its entirety has ever had. And we're only four or five months in. So it's going great. The we, Whenever we do an event, um, I, I'm going to sound like President Trump. They're huge. <laughs> yeah. uh, we do an event and they'll say, you know, normally we get 40 or 50 people, but we have 140 who want to show up to hear you speak. So we're going to move it to a new venue. So there's just people are getting off the sideline. They're getting in the game and they are ready to take their government back. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's definitely something to watch this this massive wave that you're coming in on right now since uh, I think most notably probably July, that election integrity rally they had in Arizona where President Trump called you by name and, and you received such a resounding applause from the audience. It, it was quite a memorable moment and definitely contrast to what some of the other people running for office in Arizona received that day, which might've been booze off stage. Oh, booze. Yeah, <laughs> there, there were some of those as well. Um, endorsements, obviously president Trump, huge, bigly. It's probably the most important one, but also definite Patriots. You've got rep Gosar, general Flynn, Rick Grinnell, Mike Lindell. Um, why now? You, you, you come from the media, uh, walk away moment, which is pretty cool because, you know, one of our hosts is a former Hollywood actress. She, she walked away from Hollywood because she wasn't liking all the stuff going on there. Um, and, and, and now you're running as a Republican in Arizona. What compelled you to kind of not only just get in this race, but really motivated you to, like, get in it for the reasons that you're in it right now? Well, when I left the corrupt media, I just had had enough. I realized that it was it was broken and unfixable. And that one person, I always felt like I had a voice. I felt like I didn't have a voice anymore. And it had frankly become not just biased and unethical, but immoral. It became an immoral line of work. And I still believe that the corrupt media, if you are working for an outlet or an organization that is putting out half truths and lies, you're hurting this country. And we need these um corrupt media, fake news outlets to either become, do a better job and, and get the story straight so that they're not spreading lies or go out of business, frankly. I hope they do. Mm -hmm. So I left it because it was immoral. And when I left, I put a video out because I wanted the viewers of Arizona who I'd been serving for 27 years to know why I was leaving, that I wasn't retiring. I wasn't just going off to spend time with my family. I was leaving because journalism was dead as I knew it. And the media is corrupt. And I wanted them to know that. And so after that, that video went viral. And I started having people reach out to me immediately. Hundreds and thousands of people were reaching out saying, oh, my gosh, that video. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for dropping the mic on the whole thing and letting everybody know what's going on. But many of the emails included 
a, a line or two about, hey, would you consider running for office? We mm -hmm. need people with integrity. We need non-politicians, citizen politicians. And it wasn't just one or two or 10 or 20. I mean, it was it was over 100 people. People wow. would stop me on the streets and say, you should run for office. We need somebody like you. So I really took that as a sign. Even a sign from God, I think when you have people constantly mentioning something, sometimes it's God's way of prodding, prodding you to go in that direction. And I really didn't have a huge plan when I left. I thought I would do PR work or media training and help people so that they could uh, communicate better in front of the camera. Um, but I think God had a different plan for me. And so when we announced that we were running and after I assembled my America First campaign. It's really hard, by the way, when you're in the swamp of Arizona, Oof. even though we're here in the desert, to right. find people to work on your campaign who are truly MAGA. And we've assembled a great group. And once I found them and we entered, we've just had huge success. So I think this is a really good sign that we're doing exactly what we should be doing. Yeah, that, that's that's really amazing. And it's kind of <laughs> interesting. You, you know, you say how that story kind of went down and after you walked away, you weren't really sure. And then people kind of approach you. We, we hear it over and over again, almost every week. We've had people on like Teddy Daniels, small business owner, yep. um, service veteran who's retired, Bobby Python, business owner. He's a consultant, not really into politics. People like even Joe Kent, you know, he retired after he lost his wife uh, in Syria back in 2019, wanted to go raise his kids, kind of be alone. And then these people start coming and saying like, Hey, you know, you're not a politician. You're not really in it. Why don't you come and get in the game? And yeah, I guess they kind of reflect a little bit and maybe, you know, lean on the Lord and ask which direction it goes. And, and here we all are in this political arena. We're kind of recruited. They, it's a recruitment. Like, please, please, we're recruiting you. We, the people are recruiting you to represent us because we need somebody who's honest with integrity. And I'm seeing it too. I'm out and about and I'm seeing people who are busy moms and dads stepping in and saying, I'm going to run for school board. I'm going to run for Congress. I'm going to run for the town council. It's so inspiring. And we're at, and we're in dark times. We're yes. in, nobody can deny we're in unprecedented times. These are serious times in human history. And I don't believe that God put us here by accident. We're strong people and he put us here for a reason. And I think we're about to find out what kind of strength we have. And, and I'm seeing it every day on the campaign trail. Yeah, you definitely are. And, and we're seeing it as well as we're tracking you. Let's talk about some of the issues that are affecting both Arizona and the nation kind of, uh, you know, together at the same time. Uh, the federal mandates, masks, vaccines, especially for federal workers in the military. Mm. We're, we're running up on some harsh deadlines right now uh, coming into the Thanksgiving season where you could see maybe, well, essentially a third of places like Border Patrol, a third of all branches of the military across the board walking away, being fired, or, or things like that due to uh, the executive order from Joe Biden. We did see this morning, it was kind of breaking news, a D.C. judge has put an injunction on it and needed a response from the Biden administration by noon Eastern today. So it's already passed asking, well, basically telling them that this is a violation of the Constitution and they need to reassure this judge that no one's going to be fired in lieu of, of this executive order right now. What do you think about, you know, how that affects Arizona? There are there are a lot of military families there and definitely people working on the southwest border. Um, how this is going to affect not only like the economy, but the overall safety of the country. Oh, it's going to put us all at risk. I mean, I've been standing up in front and center on this medical freedom. I mean, ever, ever since that July speech I did, I actually talked a little bit about medical freedom and during that rally in July, but it's gotten worse and worse. Some of these mandates, um, people just want to make a living. We're, we're not asking for crazy stuff here. The ability to put food on the table for our families, 
it's unconscionable. I was, I was got a tiny ray of hope when I saw that injunction this morning. And if you're in the middle of an appeal for uh, religious, really religious reasons and in a religious exemption that they may be putting that on hold, you can't be fired. But the mere fact that we have to go to our bosses and prove what our religious beliefs are is so unconstitutional. And I keep reminding people, these are mandates. Joe Biden is not a king. He's not a he is acting like a dictator. Yes. He doesn't yes. just get to say this mandate is law. Laws are made by our legislature. And so I'm encouraging Arizonans to put a very hard push on our governor and all of the lawmakers, even if they're not the ones representing them, to get their butts into a special session and pass some legislation to protect the people of Arizona from the government, from their corporate bosses who are trying to force them out of a job. You're right. It's going to put us at risk. We have police departments where the the police force is going to walk off. They're not going to get these vaccines. They don't like them. They don't trust them. And even if they did trust them, this is the wrong thing to do to push this on American citizens. So we need we need some strong leaders right now. I always say, look, I won't be in office until January of 23. There's going to be millions of people who lose their jobs by then. I can't solve this problem. We need our current leaders to step up and do the right thing. And while they're at it in Arizona, put together a piece of legislation that stops these mandates and also nullify this election we had. The election was so fraudulent here. We need to decertify it and take our 11 electoral votes back. And that might not overturn anything, but it sets a precedent and it tells the world we will not recognize a corrupt election. Oh, no, that's... Awesome, because that's what we're segueing to now, voter integrity. I'm going to ask you two questions. I believe all of our listeners are going to know the answers. You may laugh, but uh, <laughs> I still have to ask them. Did Joe okay. Biden receive 80 million votes in the 2020 presidential election? If you're counting fraudulent votes, maybe. Okay. I and, thought it was 81. Right. D- did he win the 2020 presidential election? I like to say Joe Biden is... Uh, is our president just like OJ Simpson is innocent. Wow. Perfect. <laughs> I I'm like gonna, it. I'm we have a it. corrupt system. And yeah. when there's a corrupt system, they can try to make the outcome, whatever they want, but corruption is corruption. Fraud is fraud. And I have looked at the audit report, the forensic audit report, the media is ignoring it. I don't even call a mainstream media anymore because it's so funny. The alternative media is yeah. now mainstream. Yeah. They're just corrupt and fake. And they refuse to look at the audit report or either they're not smart enough to dig through it and understand it, or they're just plain corrupt and they want to spread a false narrative and propaganda so that nobody wakes up to what's really going on. But people are waking up. You can't count fraudulent votes and and have that be the winner. My HOA, Homeowners Association election, where we elect, you know, five or six board members is more secure (laughs) and more um, respectable than the election that was run here in Arizona. And our establishment, our establishment let this election be stolen. And then our establishment certified that stolen election. And there's gonna have to be hell to pay because we're not gonna let these people get off. Uh, We're not gonna let them get off with just a, a slap on the hand, a slap on the wrist. We need to see justice in this. And more importantly, we need to have our elections reformed. We wanna have faith in our elections. And I always say, we conservatives, we Trump Republicans, if President Trump would have won, quote unquote, the way that Joe Biden did, we would have a problem with it. Yeah, I know we would. And so we just want elections that are fair and we want elections that we have faith in. 
And we want to know we have one vote per legal voter and it's counted and it's not an election season. It's an election day. So there's right. a lot of things we can do. We've we've allowed the establishment, the swamp to kind of spread this out and do all kinds of changes over the years that have enabled them and made it easier for them to cheat. And it came full mass in 2020. It sure did. Um, we, we did see some revelations yesterday out of Racine County in Wisconsin, where a local sheriff's department broke the news that they've been able to identify some legitimate voter fraud that might have accounted for tens of thousands of votes, bringing Wisconsin now to the forefront of the Stop the Steal movement. What was the margin in Wisconsin? Had to have been. No, it wasn't. No, that nowhere much. near what they found. Yeah. No, but but the fact of the matter is, is that you have a place like Wisconsin now coming, becoming kind of ground zero for uh, the, you know, election integrity stuff. When at the same time you have Mark Burnovich there, who's been sitting on stuff for what, three, four weeks now. Um, I've seen him on Sean Hannity twice. Neither time it was addressed. He talked about the Southwest border, which is important, but not to his senatorial campaign. And I did see a viral video of him. I believe he was swinging nunchucks on top of a building. Oh, good. (laughs) That's good. So, uh, I don't know what your relationship is with him. I know you guys kind of work at least together in context in the state. You while campaigning and him currently in office. Um, I know the people there are not going to let him gain a Senate seat if he doesn't do what the people of Arizona want in regards to how they voted in the 2020 presidential election. Can you touch on that at all? What what you think is going on with this whole um, audit results holdup? Well, let me just talk real quick, talk about my relationship with Mark Vernovich. I covered him for many years, Um, always had a decent relationship with him. You know, as a journalist, I never felt it was my job to try to tear people apart, was to cover them fairly. And and on a personal note, he seemed very nice. We got along. I did events with him where I was emceeing. I think it was the, um, uh, what was the event I used to emcee with him? And and anyway, it was about victims' rights. It was a victims' rights uh, luncheon. And I emceed that with him for a number of years and always found him to be a nice guy. And, you know, I I thought he had a good sense of humor. Um, I'm hoping he's doing the right thing. I've called him out publicly and I said, look, you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders. I understand that. No pressure, but the Republic is depending on you to do the right thing. Either, Either you're the man who saves the Republic or lets it fall. Right. And I do believe that. I know that sounds like hyperbole and and exaggeration, but really, this is important. He is a prosecutor. And when you're a prosecutor, you're not putting everything out there. If you're questioning people and you're investigating people, which I hope his office is doing, you don't want to advertise what you're doing because there may be other people who are coming in for questioning later. But I hope that everybody out here who listens to this in, in any county and any state realizes that the truth is going to come out on all of this. If you were involved in an election in your county, in your state, in your precinct, and somebody asked you to do something wrong or you did something wrong, and now you're realizing it, it really was wrong, you need to go forth, reach out to your prosecutors and admit what you did was wrong. I mean, right now they deleted a million yeah. election files in Arizona the day before. The, they know who did this. They already know. They know who did this. And imagine if you are one of those people's and people and maybe your boss told you to do it or your supervisor. And you know that deletion of even one of those files carries a maximum sentence of six months. Mm-hmm. I think people are going to start talking pretty quickly. So I'm hoping that Mark uh, that Mark Brnovich is actually starting right now to investigate and has been and question people. And he's keeping it close to the vest because 
when you're investigating, you don't want to tip off other people who may be called in or may be being looked at in uh, the process of the investigation. I don't even worry about his Senate campaign. We're, this is so important. Right. Whether he wins or loses that, I don't think he's got a chance if he doesn't actually investigate this. We've got serious fraud and crimes that have been done. We've got election laws that were broken. We have numerous state laws that were broken. If he doesn't do the right thing here and prosecute, and, and I want to see some perp walks, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, I hopefully, think there's a lot of, hopefully there's a lot of people in the background that are just like, you know, hey, let me make a deal real quick. I'll, I'll roll yeah. around all these guys if you, uh, you know, hook me up. Would be nice. Yeah. Well, the people I'm running against are are buddies with some of these people. Yeah. Some of them are endorsed to them. I mean, the kiss of death would be the board of supervisors in Maricopa County. Any one of them endorsing you, right? Yeah. Or being your friend. And and I think this is one of the big reasons President Trump endorsed me. He knows that the people responsible for this shady election are not my buddies. I have, They're not my cronies. And I'm not afraid to go after anybody who defrauded the voters of Arizona, even if they were my buddies. I always joke, if I found out my husband was involved, I'd throw him in jail. We need to get to the bottom of this, and we cannot allow people to defraud the voter in Arizona or any state. Perfect. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you on, on just about all those points. I've done some deep diving on Bernovich. He's been really strong on borders. He seems like he's been a really accessible public servant. Uh, he is definitely into breaking up a lot of stuff with human trafficking. It just seems like this issue... I, I love that point you made about the weight of the world on his shoulders. You've seen it in other states. For instance, uh, Judge Amaro in Georgia seemed like he was our judge. It seemed like he was really open to working with Garland Favorito there and, and, and voter GA. And then when it came up to the, all right, you let him see it. We know what's going on. This has been in court for six months. Let's hit it. He's like, nah, lack of standing. It's out of there. Yeah. And, uh. and the same stuff that happened to Doug Mastriano up, up in Pennsylvania. Now that's a mess right now with Shapiro and all those guys up there. But, um, it's going to take one person, just like this judge that put in that injunction this morning for the federal mandate. I'm sure yeah. there was. A, he's got every single person in the media. Oh, that and, judge is the MVP NIH, right now. FDA, CDC, all pushing back on him. Plus, all the people in Congress and all the people in the Senate. The weight of the president on his shoulders, and he said, "You want to know what? This is not constitutional. We're going to yeah. stop it for right now." And that's right. all it takes is one person to stand up, and more people will follow. Yeah, he it's so awesome, isn't it? When you see somebody do it in this point where we need heroes. To see somebody with a heroic move by showing courage, bravery, and and just saying we, we've got to we've got to do the right thing here, the right thing, and I, I'm inspired by it. When I saw that little headline this morning about that judge, I was like, yes, yes, this is so good. This is so good to see. And it's it's one of those things because you know we're seeing firsthand people giving up, yeah, daily, and they're just like, I don't want to do this, but. I have to feed my family. I have to, you know, no. I can't afford to lose my job. Put my and kids I, through college. I'm watching people literally go, look, I, I had to do it. I feel terrible about it. And I feel like I lost my freedom. And Both now because, this happens. And it's like, hopefully this is for anybody that's on the fence. It strengthens their resolve. Yeah, just hold the line. Yeah. So. Absolutely. It is hard. And I, I, I'm trying not to judge people by what they have to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're in a really high paying, I walked away from a very high paying job. And and so I understand probably more than other candidates what it's like to say I'm walking away. I'm walking away from my paycheck, my lifestyle, uh, my benefit plan. Yeah. I'm walking away from all of it because it's immoral and it's a scary place to be. So I really do understand that there are a lot of jobs out there right now, um, you know, but you have to realize people have to pay their mortgage. And they, like you said, their kids tuition and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um 
uh, sometimes when you throw yourself out like that and you walk through that fear, good things happen. Yeah, it certainly does. Carrie, before we wrap with you today, we have a really interactive listenership. They have boots on the ground. Everyone needs help, whether it be financially, whether it be to getting out to rallies, getting the word out on social media. Um, wherever we direct our traffic, they will come and find you if they already haven't. Uh, we will live link everywhere that you're going to tell us right now, social media wise. Yeah. And, and we'll put it in the show description and we'll send it over to your assistant so they, they can see That's that great. we're uh, getting your word out there today. Where, where's the best places to find you on social media? Um, you can go to carrylake.com, K-A-R-I-L-A-K-E.com. And I forgot to mention that November 2nd, I know you guys are broadcasting out of, out of California, but November 2nd, we, I'm sorry, November 3rd, we are having a rally remembering the one year since the botched election. And we're going to be showing appreciation for the patriotic Arizonans who stepped forward. I'm so proud of my fellow Arizonans who stepped forward from the very beginning and said something went wrong. We will not stop until we get this election looked at. And now it's fast forwarding a full year. We have a forensic audit report that is admissible in a court of law. And hopefully we have some criminal investigations going on. So we're having that November 3rd. It's at Dream City Church, their West Campus in Glendale, Arizona. Everyone is welcome. It's free. You can find um, tickets for that, free tickets at carrylake.com. And you can make donations there. I'm being um, funded by the people not the swamp. I don't have these big swampy donors behind me. We have a lot of donors. We have uh, 7,000 donors. It's unheard of in a race, especially this early on. And they're regular everyday people who are working hard and it's hard-earned money that is um, funding this campaign. So anybody who wants to, to get involved, if you're in California and you're worried about Arizona being lost to um the liberal policies that kind of turn California into a mess, please step in and make a donation because I am here to save Arizona and preserve our Western heritage and what makes us a conservative state. And that's awesome to hear. And, and we hope to uh, down the road, have you back as your campaign Great. continues. Miss Carol, oh, I should, I should tell you, I'm also on Twitter and Facebook oh, nice. and rumble. <laughs> you asked, but I forgot to mention it. No, not at all. Um, we'll, we'll link every single one of those accounts. Okay, Rumble, and I'm at uh, Facebook at The Carrie Lake, and the rest I'm just at Carrie Lake. But Rumble is where I put some of my speeches and interactions. I, you know, I've got the corrupt media following me. I got ambushed by CNN a week or two ago, and that was kind of fun because I love going after these people. I know, I know what their game is, so I know how to play it. Oh, you gave me, you gave me the old Mike Lindell treatment. Yes, yes, I did. That's perfect, Miss Carrie Lake, our gubernatorial candidate in Arizona. Thank you for coming on this Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast with us today. Thanks so much. It was such a pleasure, Rowan and Noah. Have a great day. Thank you, ma'am. Take care. Jumping into the show now on this Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast. Man of multi-talents and even more accounts. Mm. Mr. Garbaggio, thanks for joining us today. Uh, my pleasure. Always great to have you on Steak for Breakfast. What's going on in your neck of the woods? Not much, man. Glad to be in Florida. That's all I can say. Amen to that. Kind of wish I was in Florida. Yeah, same here. Well, I made a mistake last week because I referred to the uh, House Representatives Committee with Merrick Garland as a dunk fest. I was wrong. If you're going to look at the way the NBA All-Star Game is genuinely structured, that was more of a three-point contest. Oh, okay. Okay, because the dunk fest happened yesterday when uh, he got to sit before some of the senators. Now, probably not one of my favorite but everybody's favorite tra- transgender senator, Lindsey Graham, started things off 
talking about what's going on down at the southwest border. But let's hear their uh, heated exchange when Lindsay got his uh, panties in a bunch with Merrick Garland. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Attorney General, are you aware of the caravan of about 3,000 people approaching the state of Texas? I have read about it in the news media, yes. <clears throat> Lovely. I, I didn't know. I think it's south of Mexico City uh, is what I read. Yeah, they're what you're talking apparently about. headed toward Texas. So what would you tell these people? Well, do not come. The, I would tell them not to come, oh, but yep, the, the job guess. of the Justice Department um, don't, uh, don't has to do uh, with uh, um, uh, uh, prosecution uh, and with uh, uh, um, um, uh, um, the use, the way in which the uh, asylum and uh, asylum. Uh, removal claims are adjudicated. <laughs> All right. So you would tell them not to come? That, it depends on why they are coming. Oh, though. if they're coming to make asylum claims, what would you tell them? It's getting well, pretty nasty. Um, like the uh, Department of Homeland Security is the agency yeah. that's responsible for border control. Right. right. I, I get that, but are you're they? the Attorney General of the United States. Do you yeah. think our asylum laws are being abused? The asylum laws are statutes passed by the Congress. Yeah. Do you think they're being abused? That was a non-answer. I, I think this is a, 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 that question is one that has to be evaluated on a one-by-one one basis. Oh, one-by-one. One. Uh, Have you talked to the border? When's the last time you've been to the border? Oof. I think a week ago, maybe 10 days ago. Did they tell you anything about asylum claims being made by people that are mostly economic claims, not, not asylum claims? Did they mention that to you? I think it's fair. I don't recall exactly. I oh, think it's fair. You don't recall being told by the Border Patrol that they're overwhelmed, they can't hold the line much anymore, that we've had 1.7 million people apprehended, and the big magnet, the pull factor, is the way the catch and release program around asylum, that didn't stick out to you? That was not a discussion that I had when I was. Who at the did you border. talk to? I was at the border at the Nogales. Janitor. Spoke to border. Yeah, I was there about six months ago. They never mentioned to you the pull factors of illegal immigration. This was a a review of what they were doing at the border with respect to. Well, well it's a simple question. Oh, okay, that's enough. Well, well, oh. He didn't answer the question in case you were wondering. Yeah, Carbaggio, you've you've seen on the news. You've done a lot of uh, reporting on it as well. Um, the, the crisis at the southwest border isn't one that's going away. It's actually getting worse. Uh, what do you feel about his response to just having no idea what's going on down there? Because apparently, even first though of, he was physically there, all, yeah, he read it in I the news. I thought I was listening to the first lawyer and my cousin Vinny right there. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, Did you I say mean, we seem to be ignoring the fact that the Supreme Court ruled that the Remain in Mexico policy is U.S. law. That's and right. nobody is paying attention to that. Apparently, it doesn't matter to the DOJ. It doesn't matter to anybody. That is the law of the land. The, the United States Supreme Court decided that months ago, and yet we're still letting people just pour over our border for asylum claims, distributing them all over the country. It's ridiculous. Of course, he doesn't have an answer for it. Not just, not just all over the country, but red states. Yeah. yeah, definitely red states. I mean, they've been trying to do everything with this... Uh, you know, influx at the border. And we, we just learned yesterday um, about some of the things that that's going on with, uh, you know, those incentives now where, where we found out that people who were wrongly removed could be getting up to $450,000 per individual. 
reparations right, of, our, of our tax money which is yeah i guess trying to reproduce the hyperinflation of the weimar here i don't know what they're doing it's crazy and a million dollars per family minimum one billion total i'll give like you guys a, i'll give you guys a fun fact who's paying for that total family reparations for killed in action in the military is oh. only four hundred thousand dollars wow it's a friggin' joke yeah it sure is so what the hell are they doing it doesn't even make any sense well, you know, if you're going to completely destabilize the country financially, yeah. what better way to do it than hiring cheap labor, bringing in people who aren't going to assimilate, and then paying them to be here? Well, they're pissing off a lot of good American people that work their ass off. So, You know who Maybe. are good American people, Antoinette? Parents mm. who've been labeled as domestic terrorists at board meetings for their uh, school boards. Uh, the PTA members and stuff who are now uh, insurrectionists. It was Senator Hawley was next. He came in with the uh, off the backboard reverse when talking about what's going on at these board meetings and how much Merrick Garland actually knows about it. Prosecutors do, but but parents don't, General Garland. Do you, do you think that a parent who looks at the 13 different federal crimes that your Justice Department has identified they might be subject to and prosecuted for, like making annoying phone calls. Do you think that they're going to feel that they're welcome to speak up at a school board meeting? How about this one? They could be prosecuted for using the Internet. I guess that would be Facebook. Imagine In that. a way that might cause emotional distress. Uh, emotional distress? Is that, a, is that a crime of violence? Senator, I haven't seen the memo that you're well, talking haven't about. Why haven't you? And I don't, I, uh, and I, I, <laughs> even from the description, it doesn't sound like it was addressed to parents. Uh, 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 but if you No, it wasn't addressed to parents. It was addressed to prosecutors. That's the problem. Why haven't you seen the memo? I, uh, I, I don't know why I haven't. I don't look at every. I have. I do not get every memo that every U.S. attorney uh, sends out. But uh, if you're wait, wait, wait a minute. Don't don't. I, I, don't, I just want to be sure I understand this. Oh this God. this is a memorandum that collects 13 different federal crimes parents could be charged with. It has United States Department of Justice on the top of it, and you're telling me you haven't seen it. Who's the memo from, Senator? The United States Department of Justice, United States Attorney for the District of Montana. I have not seen a memo from the District of Montana. I not high enough priority for you? Mm. Ooh. It's not, that's not the question. I don't. <laughs> it is the question. Answer my question. Is it not a high enough priority for you when you're threatening parents with 13 different federal crimes? I These aren't crimes of violence. You've testified today. You're focused on violence. That's not what your U.S. attorneys, they work for you. That's not what they're saying you haven't seen it because it's not a high enough priority or what? Question of priority. No one has sent me that memo, so I haven't seen it. What do you mean no one has sent it's you the memo? The you memo. run the United States Department of Justice. Do you not? There are 115,000 employees of the Department of Justice. Indeed, and you are in charge of every one of them. And this was a sufficiently important case that you issued a memo. You, over your signature, issued a memo involving the FBI and the Department of Justice in local school boards, local school districts. Your U.S. attorneys are now threatening prosecution with 13 different crimes, but it's not a high enough priority for you. It got lost in the mix. Damn! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, we need to rate these like the dunk contest. I'm going to oh, go, wow. go first. I'm going to give Lindsey Graham a six for his. That was good. Okay, Senator Hawley, Antoinette, weigh in on this one. What do you give him? So high score is 10. I think he's about an 8 or 9. Okay. I don't hate it. I'll give him like a 8.5. Yeah, 8.5 is good. Don't worry. We got we got three more senators coming up. So each okay. one each one is is, is going to be rated. And this is our first uh, bi-gender senatorial Ooh. dunk contest because we'll have Miss Marsha Blackburn up in another clip. But probably everybody's favorite serial killer. 
the Zodiac himself, <laughs> all beardly like Garbaggio, came to the floor next. And we know what Ted Cruz would look like if he participated in a basketball slam dunk contest because we've seen him. In the halls of Congress. Right. Wearing the uh, nut hugger shorts and a wife beater and a headband because they were playing basketball one time and Nancy Pelosi tried to do a little sneaky sneaky and he just came up in his PE clothes. Really? Yeah, to to cast a vote and and he didn't care. He went out out and took questions from the media with his headband afterwards. Brilliant. It's a brilliant move. Garbaggio, do you like Holly? I mean, I still got a bad taste in my mouth from him from Stop the Steal, but I think across the board otherwise he's pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, he's all right. There's... He, he, pretty much everybody on the establishment right at this point is there's there's maybe two or three that don't piss me off at this point but i'll i'll give him a seven or an eight there nice you is Rand paul one of those is Rand paul one of those ones who don't yeah Rand paul um on johnson he's all right for the most part uh, stuff, i think he's been he's been pretty good in speaking out jim jordan yeah uh yeah, jim jordan's great and yeah, there's a handful, but that's about it. All right, let's, let's hear the man who once wheeled his office refrigerators through the halls of Congress with a piece of paper on it bearing the Zodiac killer sign, <laughs> Ted Cruz. Something else. A big part of this, this letter is that they're upset about parents not wanting critical race theory taught. Your son-in-law makes a very substantial sum of money from a company involved in the teaching of critical race theory. Did you seek and receive a decision from an ethics advisor at the Department of Justice before you carried out an action that would have a predictable financial benefit to your son-in-law? Mm. This memorandum is aimed at violence and threats. I, I just asked a question. Did you it seek has an ethics no opinion? predictable Did you seek an ethics opinion? It has no predictable. Did you seek an ethics opinion? Judge, you know how to ask questions and answer them. Did you seek an ethics opinion? You asked me whether I sought an ethics opinion about something that would have a predictable effect on something. This has no predictable effect in the way that you're talking about. So if critical race theory is taught in more schools, does your son-in-law make more this money? memo has yes. nothing. If critical race theory is taught in more schools, does your son-in-law make more money? Yes or no? This memorandum has nothing to do with critical race theory Will you answer or if you any other ethics kind opinion? of curriculum. Will you ethics. answer if you sought an ethics I am answering the best I can. Yes or no? Did you seek an ethics opinion? This memorandum has did nothing... Did you seek an ethics opinion? This memorandum has nothing to do with... General, are you refusing theory. to answer if you sought an ethics opinion? I'm telling you that there's no possible... Con- so you're saying no. Leave just answer it directly. Dead. You know how to answer a question directly. I'm did you seek <laughs> an ethics opinion? I'm telling you that if I thought... There was any reason to believe there was a conflict of interest. I would do that, but I cannot. Why do you refuse to answer the question? Why won't you just say no? I'm sorry. You're not going to answer the question. I'm sorry. Say, ask the question again. Did wow. you seek an ethics God, opinion? Wow. I'm saying again, I would seek an ethics opinion. In so, ethics no is the answer. Correct. Thought, there was a senator. Your time is up. Oh. Let the record reflect the attorney general refuses to answer whether he thought, sought an ethics opinion. Say by the and bell. apparently ethics are not a terribly high priority in the Biden Justice Department. I don't think that's a fair reflection of what I said. Then answer, then answer the damn question, Garland. Yeah, right? Can you believe that that's the top cop in the United States? What a piece of shit. I, okay. I, like when I listen and watch him talk, I want to just give him a wedgie and take his lunch money and send him on his way. I, I literally, oh, yeah. Such a weasel. Garbaggio, you got to rate that one. I mean... He didn't I mean go- that was that was good. It, it it could be slightly better, but not much. I'll give it a nine. Not, ooh, nine. <laughs> nine. I agree with that one. No, are you good with nine? 
I give it a nine point five. You got Zodiac in the lead right now. That was pretty good. Yeah, it was. Uh, next up on the chopping block was uh, Marsha Blackburn, and, and she was talking some serious stuff about, uh, she, I believe, um, Durham. I think, which is an interest to all of us. It, it was. It's pretty good to hear someone that's actually out there working. You know, she's one of the only senators besides Rand Paul, who's really pushing back, and she had some major influence on that D.C. injunction on the federal mandate for the vaccine today. So she's got some style points for me. Uh, let's see if she could hit it home with referencing Durham during these hearings. Let me ask you about the Durham investigation because 44 senators joined me in a letter that we sent to you uh, in August, and we still have not received a written response from you on the status of the Durham investigation. So will you provide for me a written status report of the Durham investigation? So the, the particular aim, I think, of the letter asked about the budget. And as I said at the House committee, Mr. Durham is continuing. And the only we asked for a status update. Well, I, and we also ask that the report be made public, available to the public on the completion of his yes. work. Will that be made public? So on both of those questions, his budget has been approved, as okay. already announced. And with respect to the report, I would like as much as possible to be made public. I have to be concerned about Privacy Act concerns and classification. But other than that, the, the commitment is to provide a public report, yes. Can you guarantee this committee that uh, Special Counsel Durham has free reign to proceed wherever his investigation takes him without any political or otherwise undue influence or interference? Yeah, there will be no political or otherwise undue interference. Okay. So I think it was kind of more of like one of those gag entries. You know, she brings booms and comms with references to Durham. So I think we can all agree with that. But yeah. it was kind of like when Muggsy Bogues, back in the 90s, participated in the dunk tourney. And, and he just couldn't, I mean, he just did some regular dunks. So I think she definitely gets some fan appreciation points. But as far as the big scheme of things, I think I'm going to have to give her like a 7-ish, 7-2. Yeah, that's not a high score. Yeah. yeah. It was all right. But but definitely something we all like hearing about. You definitely didn't get him going, yeah. well, well, no. No, but you want to know who did. I think this is going to be across the board. This is going to be that part of the dunk tournament where even like the people in the stands like Shaq and Snoop Dogg, where they all put up their tens. It was Tom Cotton. Uh, he kind of brought the fire to end this whole debacle, which is the uh, top cop of the United States. And uh, it was pretty heated. I don't know if you guys had heard it, but you are going to be pretty damn impressed with this one. You've cited as the basis for that directive the National School Board Association's letter of September 29th. Was that directive being prepared before September 29th, before the School Board Association letter was issued? I don't believe so. Certainly, I didn't have any idea. So it was only prepared at, okay, I think that answers the question. I already mm. answered that so, question So you, you keep citing the school board letter and news reports. That's news right. One of the news right. reports cited in that letter, which you presumably mean, is from Loudoun County, Virginia. No, that's Scott, not, that is not done, uh, what I was talking about. Well, it, about, you keep citing news reports, yeah. and that's the most prominent news report that anyone in America has seen. That refers to Scott Smith, whose 15-year-old daughter was raped. She was raped in a bathroom by a boy wearing girls' clothes, and the Loudoun County School Board covered it up because it would have interfered with their transgendered policy during Pride Month. 
And that man, Scott Smith, because he went to a school board and tried to defend his daughter's rights, was condemned internationally. Do you apologize to Scott Smith and his 15-year-old daughter, Judge? Senator, anyone whose uh, child was raped as, uh, is a, a most horrific crime I can imagine and is certainly entitled and protected by the First Amendment to protest to their school board about that. But he was cited by the School Board Association that's fine, as a but domestic that's not, terrorist, which we now know that letter and those reports were the basis for your judgment. No, this, this no is, Senator, this is that's wrong. Shameful. Judge, that's, this is shameful. This, here, this testimony, your directive, your performance is shameful. Okay, that's not Th correct. Thank God you are not on the Supreme Court. Mm. Mm, you that. should resign in disgrace, Judge. Ooh. And there it is. Ooh. What do you guys think? The the look on his face after he said that, too, it was just this, like... He looked like the Reverend from Beetlejuice, yeah. which is what yeah. he looks like in normal Wait, life. Chicago mayor? So, yeah, there you go. Don't say it two more times. Uh -huh. she, she will appear and then make us all get the vaccine. I know these things are more for optics. Mm-hmm. We, we do see very little come out of these. We've had all of these representatives in the Republican side of the House and the Senate over the last month have Millie, Austin, McKenzie, Blinken, and now Merrick Garland run through the gauntlet. We do it on the show. We cover it with commentary. We make jokes about it. But guess what? Those guys go to work the next day and life goes on. Um, Garbaggio, what do you think? You definitely got your pulse on a lot of different things, and you you know all of these topics extremely well. Do you think we're going to see some of these people either step down or be forced to resign over some of the stuff that's coming out? I mean, we, we still don't even – we haven't really touched on the January 6th thing yet, but I definitely think that's going to make a lot of people look bad. You saw Rep. Uh, Kinzinger today has announced his retirement effective at the end of his uh, term due to redistricting. So there's a lot of writing on the walls in regards to stuff like that. But what do you think overall about this narrative of these awful picks that this administration has made? Well, I'd like to first, I'd like to see Tucker's uh, special coming up in a couple of days on the, the true story of January 6th that they're trying to uh, censor already before it's even come out. Yep. I think obviously he's the biggest talk show host in the in the nation. So Agreed. that's going to have a big effect um, if it gets out. Uh you know, I would like to say that something's going to happen to these people, but I don't have any confidence in it. I mean, it's so obvious the election was stolen in so many states. We keep on hearing like, oh, something's happening, something's happening, but nothing ever happens. Nobody's ever brought to justice. You keep on kind of we've just kind of been hearing uh, murmurs about Durham going yep. all the way. And what we have one person indicted who's pretty much a nobody. And then they're kind of playing with us saying, oh, well, he's questioned uh, Hillary Clinton's. Uh, the people who, you know, looked into the Hillary Clinton Foundation and, uh, you know, say they know where the bodies are buried. But I can't I can't really say that I think anything's going to happen to them. And I, they seem to be completely above the law. Biden's just breaking constitutional norms all over the place in terms of the vaccine mandates. They're just letting people pour over the border. Nobody's even questioning where, who's organizing this. You know where the money's coming from. Who are the NGOs? Like, it's it's outrageous. And because I mean, they they can the same people who are doing to this this to, to us control all the media. Yep. Control Hollywood. I mean, it's it's outrageous. All we really have is social media right now, and they're trying to take that from us too. So yeah. No, I can't say I have any confidence anything's gonna good is gonna happen. I think we're gonna have to take matters into our own hands eventually. And I think that's kind of what they want. They seem to be pushing for a, a breaking point. Mm -hmm. uh, they definitely are. And there's 
hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who are going to, you know, hypothetically lose their jobs and livelihoods in the next couple months. It's going to be really interesting to see when you really start disenfranchising those people and trying to make at least our demographic seem like we're in Australia and the rest of the world isn't as they announce more boosters and jabs for kids and stuff like that. Um, in addition to all these ways, you know, we've seen the DOJ and the Speaker of the House weaponize the FBI and, and use them on and against American citizens. And we, we've seen, you know, political prisoners for the first time on a mass scale in the United States in, in recent memory. And, you know, you have so many rumblings out of the Oval Office this week. People are leaking to Jack Posobiec. You know, Joe Biden's trying to figure out how to use the 25th Amendment on Kamala Harris in the last 24 hours. I just think that's that's awkward. Crazy. So, Gar- yeah. Garbaggio, we want to have you back. I love your opinion. You're a great guest on our show. Maybe late November, early December. Would you come back with us for a full episode? Yeah, of course. And before we cut with you, can you tell everybody where they could follow you on social media? Yeah, they took uh, they took out Garbaggio Private Stock and Garbaggio's Revenge. So Terrible. the new main page is at the real Garbaggio. Uh, that's going to be where I have all my stories and stuff like that. And I also have some spinoffs, Garbaggio.history, Garbaggio.news, which I had before, but they're shadow banning heavily. So it's just kind of become uh, viral videos and memes. And also uh, Garbaggio.nature, which they can't really flag me there. <laughs> so that's like my fallback in case they take everything out again, because I think I'm on account eight now. Yeah. So uh, find me there. And of course, I have my website, Garbaggio.news, if they take it all out. And at Telegram at Garbaggio News as well. And we will link all of those in our show description today. I'll send you the link so you can share them on your social media. Mr. Garbaggio, of your eight-plus accounts, thank you for joining us on this Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast today. Hey, my pleasure, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. All right, joining us now on this Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast. She's a journalist with Real America's Voice. And definitely a patriot in the movement of reporting real news at a time when we need it the most. Miss Heather Mullins, thank you for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. This has been our News Friends Week. We had Christina Bob of OAN and Mike Crispy of Right Side Broadcasting Network both on Tuesday. And now we have you joining us on Friday. So it's been pretty good at getting some real news people in here all week. And I know there's a, there's a certainly a demand for them these days. There's just not enough of us, unfortunately. Well, the fact of the matter is we appreciate all the work you do uh, in, in your reporting and, and journalism endeavors. And uh, the way you guys bring the news is something that I enjoy on a daily basis. You guys is one of the channels I watch the most. And uh, I think I think it's just quality. We, we Obviously, for our show, we report the news with commentary. We vet a lot of the stuff that's going on and try to find as many resources as possible. And when you try to find straight shooters, you guys always seem to come up as one of the ones that are doing it right. <laughs> You know, I'm honestly blessed to work for a network that, uh, you know, above all else doesn't censor me. They don't, there's absolutely nothing that I can't say on this network, which is what we need more of in America is just journalists that have the freedom to go out and and chase these stories and report exactly what they find as they find it. Yeah, that's really uh, some good points that you make there and definitely something that you, you don't see from, you know, the corporate media. So I want to talk to you about, uh, the event you guys just wrapped up, you guys had like a, uh, a cancer awareness, real cancer awareness event out in, where was it? Tennessee? Nashville. Yep. Yeah, it the, was Nashville. And mm-hmm. some, some of our friends who have been on the show, uh, Charlene and Ty Bollinger, they were there. I saw you guys do a piece with them, you and, uh, Miss Khan. 
Um, there was a whole bunch of other people who we saw when we met them on the uh, Clay Clark Reawaken America tour back in July while we were there as media. Uh, why don't you tell us about that event and then some of the things that you were able to uh, get out to everyone in regards to this extremely important topic? Yeah, so I mean, the event is called The Truth About Cancer. Uh, I guess it's it's either the fourth or fifth year that they've been doing it. It was the first year that I've ever heard about it. In fact, I sort of went into it not really knowing what to expect. Um, but there was a lineup of some great speakers from doctors to dietitians to former actors, uh, politicians, and even Eric Trump actually spoke at this event. Wow. Um, but, but aside from all the names, what's really important is like what was being talked about. And that for me, it was so much bigger than just cancer and the truth about cancer. Well, that's a huge topic. You have, you know, several people there that have survived cancer after being given, you know, diagnoses that say that, you know, they're not going to live much longer. And then they did certain things, changed certain things about their diet, took certain supplements and saw positive results. And that's the kind of stuff that you have censored on mainstream media networks by big pharma. Uh, You know, when you have a partnership between big pharma, big tech and big gov, it's sort of, um, you know, it's deadly censorship is the word I like to use because some of these treatments that I learned about over the weekend truly do save lives. They cure cancer. Uh, Am I allowed to say that? They, They treat cancer and you take them and your cancer goes away. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Um, you know, things like fenbendazole, that was an ingredient or a a medicine, I guess, that people had said they'd taken that, you know, at their next quarterly treatment for their cancer, their cancer was gone after cycling that uh, drug. Um, Mm. Another thing, uh, heart disease. There was a a gentleman there who had heart disease. That's one of the leading causes of death in the United States. And he was one of those people that was like, you know what, like, you're not going to make it much longer. And he ended up um, I think it's called nitric nitric oxide. Um, he has a product called um, the Cardio Miracle. And so I was doing some digging. This ingredient actually like, it, it's sort of like ivermectin, right? At one point in time, it won the Nobel Peace Prize because mm. of its healing components. And then he's arguing that this is what treated his heart disease. Now mm. I haven't done my my digging, but I mean, this is a guy that swears by this this Nobel Prize winning drug that it cured his heart disease. So this was sort of, the conversation that I felt, um, you know, was, I guess, like the most important throughout the event was all of these treatments that are non-conventional, they're not big pharma pushed, right? And many of them have the, the studies to back up their, you know, effectiveness, but yet it's being censored. Yeah, that's uh, there's no money in it, right? Well, yeah, they have to rename it stuff like Pfizermectin, and, and, and now more expensive. <laughs> yeah, now at two thousand yeah. dollars a dose, Antoinette. This is something that's near and dear to you. Um, I think you're our our probably biggest health nut in regards to you. Every time you you hear about these things, you go, you break it down, you find out as many sources as you can, you find out if it's right or wrong, and 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 you, and you seem to be really on it. What do you think about? when you hear about these events, you know, like the Clay Clark one we went to where we thought it was just going to be Patriots and then you see pastors and then you see doctors and then you see movie stars and people are talking to us about nutrition. You know, we got Dr. Stella coming through and uh, Nabuti coming through and all those people and uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr. and stuff. And just, you know, hearing them talk and, and be so passionate about it. These these treatments and, and alternative methods of uh, medicine and stuff are out there. And, and what do you think about that whole narrative about how it's just crushed by everybody? I mean, I think it's amazing when we have these events. I mean, I didn't watch the one that you guys were at, but um, 
these events need to happen more often. Mm -hmm. A lot of people can be, can be saved, you know, with the right information. They don't, I mean, I'll give you an example. My grandfather had open heart surgery like four times. They said he had like not very long to live. The doctors didn't know what to do. They just said, okay, go home, you know, and that's it. His daughter became, she's a natural doctor. She was in conventional medicine and then went into holistic medicine. She ended up saving his life by finding, um, forgot the medication, but also finding an infection in his mouth. Your teeth are linked to your heart. Once they took out all his teeth and removed the infection and gave him this specific med, I forgot what it was. And then all these natural supplements, he's, he was healed. He was cured completely mm. and never had a heart problem again, nothing. And that, I mean, how many people can be saved if doctors actually did more research and were more, like more open to non-conventional ways of, of healing? I just think it's, I think it's really sad. A lot of people are dying for no reason. Mm. I mean, there's also, a, there is a patented cure for cancer which is proven to work, but they, when anybody talks about it, it gets shut down. They're, they're, people are called, oh, you know, kooks, crazy. You can't drink bleach. It'll kill you. And it's not really even bleach. It's like, there's like MMS and like all this other stuff. It's, I mean, people have to take their own health and like their health in their own hands. You know, I've had to do it for myself when I, I fell ill a long time ago and no doctor could help me. It's just like how, like, it's crazy to see like I you can go to all these doctors. They don't keep up with like their education. They don't, you know, uh, research any further. Once they get that degree, it's done, you know, and then, you know, they get bought and paid for too to push, you know, meds and and cancer, especially is a big money making industry. I mean, chemo and that's going to be a hard one to fight against. But yeah, there's people, more money in you being sick than there is you being healthy. Yeah, of course. And to be like, you know, a repeat customer because they're only treating symptoms. They're not treating the actual cause of anything. Right. Repeat customers like, like boosters. Uh, yeah. And like with ivermectin, for example, it's being shown to cure certain cancers, to put AIDS and HIV into remission yeah. and many other things, killing parasites. I mean, like people are, you know, we're taking it, experimenting with um, ivermectin for COVID, but that it started to relieve other symptoms that they were having, like rheumatoid arthritic issues. And I mean, and people are starting to actually look into parasites and realize that like, most diseases are caused by parasites. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an extremely good point. And the more you get to events like this and see them, the more it starts to become less alien and more. Yeah, you know, comfortable talking about it and, and dabbling in it a little bit. And it's pretty interesting to say, speaking of aliens, um, although <laughs> hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin has been shunned, doctors have lost their jobs and their licenses. People have gone after them in court over it. People coming in from all over the world through the southwest border and via airplane into the United States are given both as preventatives when yeah. they leave their country of origin and also when they arrive in the United States, that's been confirmed. And I just think it's pretty interesting. Not to mention people in Congress. Right. I'm so well, waiting. A lot, of these, a lot of these third world people coming from third world countries have parasites. So that's why they're giving them ivermectin too, on top of it, you know, for it yeah. working COVID, which is crazy. Yeah, it's so they're, the they're way, better treatment than we are. <laughs> right. The food, the way food's prepared and the water supply and stuff like that. Just post yeah. overall hygiene in the third world. It's just not up to the standard as it is here. Um, Heather, next thing I want to touch on election integrity. I know it's something that's very near and dear to you, both your network and you personally. Um, what are some of the things that you've seen since the 2020 presidential election uh, kind of developed to where we are now? It was like, you know, a huge stop the steal movement going into January 6th. And then it kind of turned into 
whatever it, it is, we, we really don't feel like on this show, at least, or, or in our community, that that whole committee is going to go anywhere. It seems like every time another day passes, another hole is punched in it, most recently by Tucker Carlson, Darren Beatty, um, some accounts from online, like the Bread Room and stuff like that. Um, and, and, and now you've had, like, the results from Arizona. We just talked to Carrie Lake about it. Mark Burnovich is kind of just sitting on it doing nunchuck videos. Uh, you have some revelations out of Wisconsin that we're going to talk about yesterday, things in Pennsylvania and Georgia as well. What, what can you tell us about some of the stuff that you've covered in regards to uh, what's going on with the election-related stuff right now? Yeah, you know, I I know a lot of people talk about, like, the whole Stop the Steal movement, but I want to point out that, like, for me as a reporter, like, I like to distinguish opinion and fact, right? Like, the idea is that, like, some people believe that the election was stolen. I've been a very fact-based journalist when mm-hmm. it comes to covering this election stuff, and that's actually what saved uh, Jim Acosta from trying to debunk <laughs> my claims, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I came into contact with him at CPAC, and I started presenting to him evidence that I had collected and information that I had collected in Georgia when I went down there to cover the recount. And for all I knew, when I went down to Georgia, like Joe Biden legitimately won for the first time since 1992, a Democrat, you know, actually won. That's not what I found once I got there, though. And that that could have been the story, but that wasn't. And I take my job very seriously. Um, when I first got down to Georgia, for example, I found out one county, Floyd County, Georgia, found 2,700 votes that weren't counted the first time. So that's a pretty big deal. Most of them were for Trump. It was in a red county. So I go to that county, their election building, as they're rescanning ballots in a precinct, there's two Dominion guys in the room that are trying to troubleshoot on the machines. And I'm interviewing the election board members, right? And and they rule out that it was a memory card, right? Well, long story short, like a week or two later, the Secretary of State's office is reporting that a memory card didn't get uploaded. So having been in the election office of that county and verifying on camera, this is on camera that both of them rule out it was a memory card and the Dominion guys are sitting in the same room as they're saying this, no one's disputing it, right? Now you have the secretary of state's office going on the record saying it's a memory card that wasn't, didn't get uploaded. So that's when I first knew, at least in Georgia anyway, the truth wasn't getting out. So I stuck around there for the last eight months. I've spent most of my time investigating there specifically, uncovering everything from, you know, duplicate ballots that got scanned. Now we're having Dominion ballot images that were just uh, deleted. They're supposed to be preserved as part of an open records law that was passed. So all of the Dominion machines, um, some of them in, in different counties, the people were, I'm told, instructed to delete them. Right. Like the, it pops up on, on a screen. Like, do you want to like create these images? And the, the Dominion technicians, I'm being told, were directing people to say no to a prompt yeah. that subsequently caused all of those scanned ballot images not to be stored. So that Weird. was like one of many, many things. I mean, I could go on and on about Georgia for hours. Um, but as far as like, you know, places like Arizona, I mean, what's really concerning to me is the fact that you had such a great hearing, right? Where, where Doug Logan of Cyber Ninjas presented their findings in a very intelligent and precise manner. They said exactly what they found, you know, what Maricopa County election officials were not giving them that they needed. Um, and, you know, they brought a lot of big problems to the, the center stage here. One being the fact that for the Dominion servers out there in Arizona, right? They can only store so much information. And once they reach the maximum capacity, 
it deletes the oldest information to make room for the newest information. And so what ended up happening is, is right before the election audit team were given those servers to forensically analyze, somebody had gone in there and made, I think it was 37,000 blank password queries, they call it, which deleted all of the data that they would have need to look at specifically overseeing the election timeframe, right? So that right now is, in my opinion, where the attorney general needs to really deep dive into and figure out. And, and from what I gathered at the last hearing, they have the identities of the people that were doing that. So the attorney generals now have those people of interest. Yeah, that's a so smoking gun. So I'm curious to know who they are. I would like to see a report. Uh, maybe not necessarily who they are yet, but at least I want something out of the AG's office there that explains this is what happened. This is why those happened. I mean, it doesn't make any sense other than to cover up, right? you know, a, a potential crime. And then I'm told wrong. that the routers, right? The routers that initially Maricopa County election officials said they would hand over, then change their mind. Those routers, from what I gathered, were one way that they were able to find out who and where, you know, those deletions came from, the blank password entries came from. And so the fact that they were withholding that information was another big red flag. Yeah. Then you have, then you have both in Georgia and in Arizona, election officials that don't actually have passwords to, to get into the machine, <laughs> right? That it's completely run by a third party uh, dominion um, where, you know, these are not, we elect people to run our elections. When that responsibility is then delegated and passed on to a third party, that's, in my opinion, like against the law. I mean, you'll have to look statewide, but when we elect people to literally do the, do a job and they delegate the responsibility to someone else, it's sort of like, well, what was the point of electing you then? Right. right. Dominion. At least then we could hold them accountable because this is one of the biggest problems with our election is that we've gone and we've put responsibility outside of government, right? We've had elected officials do that. And then we can't even access that information through open records requests. We can't open records request information from Dominion's emails, only from our elected officials. And that's why it's so important that when we elect people to do something, we keep it within the confines of government, not third parties, because it almost creates a wall where we can't get behind. Right. Exactly. And uh, I can't it, imagine how having a third party involved in our election system that we don't have full transparency with. Don't worry. Sense I, got, I got one more. Almost like a buffer though. Better for you. Give it. If you think third party is bad, Fulton County, Georgia, the Dominion technician there that uh, programmed the machines, the memory cards, the scanners, everything. He's a Nigerian citizen. He doesn't even have U.S. citizenship. I found, I found this out because in a case, Curling v. Raffensperger, I have like a 79-page deposition document where he was deposed under oath in that case and questioned uh, by a local election integrity group. And he, they asked him, like, where's your country of citizenship? Nigeria. How long have you been mm -hmm. in the U.S.? It was like five or six years. Do you have any citizenship in the U.S.? No. What did yeah. you do? Programmed the machines, did this, did that. He literally is not a U.S. citizen and is running Fulton County, the largest county in Atlanta. Wow. And he's running the machines there. I wonder if he's told anybody that he has some inheritance money from a 
Nigerian prince that he wants to give us half of. Or the Department of State website advises Americans not to go to Nigeria because of fraud, maritime crime, kidnapping. Yeah. I mean, you can't even, you're actually, if you open a bank account and you're a Nigerian citizen, you get OFAC checked, which OFAC is like, uh, you know, a potential terrorist list. Yeah. So you're not even allowed to like open a bank account. But yet we have a Nigerian citizen running our elections. I'm probably calling people about cars extended warranties. Ooh. And it's Dominic Alamo. Feel free to chase down leads. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely gonna. I, I will message you so I can get the exact uh, names there, and I, I want to look into that case because that sounds like it's really interesting. So, you know, I originally heard you do on. I think it was War Room. You you went off on Georgia at one point where where I think Steve had to Steve you. Where you <laughs> running into a break. We're gonna bring you back. We're gonna hold you over. And I, I actually had to stop in my car and rewind it because you were starting to get my heart racing. You were you were going so hard on this stuff that's going on in Georgia. And I it was at that point a couple months ago when I heard you. You know, I I watched the I watched it on the, my my television every day. But I said, you want to know what? It would be awesome if she came on because she sounds like she really not only covers it but but cares. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's just as important. Um, yesterday we had some new revelations out of uh, Wisconsin, which has seemed Wendy Rogers or not Wendy Rogers, Carrie Lake agrees even though she feels that in the end Mark Burnovich is going to do something, that Wisconsin has now come to the forefront in regards to uh, stuff that's going on with the election integrity. We, we had an independent sheriff's department in Racine County kind of come out and uh, give some really interesting um, things that they discovered where nursing homes were basically being used to not only manipulate votes, but register people for one party and harvest votes for certain candidates. In the most safest and secure election In the ever. history of elections. We're, we're going to get to a small piece in that chair first, but let's kind of frame it. Uh, Jenna Ellis yesterday, she was on Newsmax in the morning, and she talked about kind of what it was like a teaser going into what was coming out of Wisconsin. It's a brief clip. Let's listen to it real quick. We know already that the election results in at least five of the swing states were irredeemably compromised. So we already have sufficient evidence for these states to decertify their electoral uh, results. And so what this means is that the state legislatures would pass a resolution through both chambers that essentially say that the Secretary of State's certification that was sent to Congress was based on false or faulty information. And that then would trigger Uh, kind of a chain reaction, because then if at least three states do that and Joe Biden's electoral count drops below the requisite 270 count, then Congress is going to have to deal with that. Decertification is incredibly important. So I I want to bring up the the point because we're getting into that whole constitutional crisis narrative again. Whenever there's more than one state, we know it takes three. Uh, it's uncharted waters. So let's say you get any kind of combination of Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, or Georgia, right? Let's just say ultimate fantasy outcome should be a a good legal outcome, but let's just say we eventually get there. They decertify three. Puts Joe Biden under the 270 mark. We're in waters that have never been charted before. Constitutionally, uh, what happens with everything? Now, I argued with Jenna for weeks. Noah, you you remember, I, I showed you. Oh, yeah. Antoinette, we talked about it, too. She said this yep. was something over the summer, I think it was over 4th of July, that this was impossible. And now she's saying it is because every time a new state comes to the forefront, you get this uh, you get this whole narrative going of, uh, okay, Arizona, something might legitimately happen there. Now you have Wisconsin showing that there is possibly widespread voter fraud, which may have changed the outcome of the presidential election in that state. That's two. 
And then it kind of takes the pressure off of some of the other places like Pennsylvania. We've seen it run into the breaks. Georgia, it's mired down with a, with a governor and a secretary of state that are doing nothing to help out with voter integrity there except try to punt the football down the field. We'll bring it back with Real America's Voice right now. Right before the sheriff gave his press conference yesterday, Steve Bannon on the War Room talked about just exactly what we were going to be possibly seeing here. Let's hear what he had to say when he kind of weighed in on it. This, right? In Wisconsin today, sheriffs who have the ability to do this are going to be putting up video. The story's on the Gateway Punnett. Let's get it up into all the sites, all the platforms. They're going to show body cam footage of exactly across the state of how these demons worked in these nursing homes with these poor patients to steal the election. And it's just one small aspect. And we kept, we've been telling people, Wisconsin, from day one, day one being the morning early hours of November 4th of this year, right, when we said they stole this thing. And we said this back in, in, in September. Remember, I was on national TV on Showtime laying out exactly how they were going to steal it. Trump was going to win on game day. They were going to have all these phony ballots. They're going to start counting them up. And two weeks later, they're going to declare them. And I actually said it's going to go down to January 20th, where you're not going to be able to certify the electors because you can't going to go down to January 20th, where you're not going to be able to certify the electors because you can't certify the electors. Right? They weren't going to flip it to Trump, but they're going to kick it to the House of Representatives. And as we know, in the House of Representatives, they vote by state. And we control 26 or 27 other state party delegations who would vote for Donald J. Trump. And Donald J. Trump would be in the White House today, and we wouldn't have 35% of the American people, registered voters, saying the election's got to be overturned because it was illegal. But that's where we are, and now we got an economy imploding. We got an invasion on the southern border. We got the FBI and the lying attorney general saying, "No, we're not calling them domestic terrorists. We're just sending FBI and helicopters and guys to keep an eye on them." And the moms of America are not going to back down. And now you got Terry McAuliffe and all these liars running around at the last second with their hair on fire as they're about to be crushed in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Well, there you have that. So he kind of led into what would be, you know disclosed at that press conference from the sheriffs in Racine County in Wisconsin. Now, Heather, what do you think about that whole narrative? Do you feel, as a reporter, do you see things that kind of make you think instances that happened like January 6th were kind of put out there because people on the other side of the aisle knew that there was a legitimate chance that this 2020 presidential election would be challenged that day? I mean, I have opinions. At, like, I have no idea, like, what ulti- who ultimately was behind January 6th or anything right. like that. I find it, you know, I watched Trump's entire speech that day and how he said things like, let's go peacefully march down to the Capitol and cheer on our members of Congress to do the right thing and vote not to certify. That, to me, is the legal way to go about change, right? It's not storming the Capitol. It's allowing your elected officials to vote to be certified under the, you know, their within their role, I guess. And so for me, I think it is very odd that this happened right before they were going to, many of them were going to vote not to certify, uh, including Kelly Leffler, Senator Leffler from Georgia, right? And then all of a sudden, and I interviewed Kelly Leffler in the runoffs, like right before the runoffs. And, you know, and she looked right into our camera and thanked our, our, you know, viewers and told them to donate and vote for her because she was going to vote to decert or, 
was going to vote to decertify and that you know there was all this election fraud and Georgians deserve to get answers and then for whatever reason because of the events of January 6th she decided that she was going to vote to certify. Now her vote to decertify should have been based on the the, the events that happened in Georgia during the election, right. not what happened in DC on January 6th. So the fact that people like her flip-flopped at the last minute to me uh, makes her a fraud. So I lost all respect to her, for her after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, secondly, there's, you know, all this talk about, okay, well, if multiple states decertify and then it gets, you know, Congress is going to have to answer. But we have two people in Congress right now, Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff, that, you know, their election was compromised. Yep. Right. So we don't know that they should legitimately be down there and in, in, in making decisions. So I think we need to address that issue as well. Yep. Oh, yeah. If you get into anything that went on in Georgia affecting the overall outcome of the election, I mean, there's a lot of them. There's, like you said, Warnock and Ossoff, you've got maybe another House seat in Pennsylvania with Sean Parnell and, and, and people like that. There's there's ones that are going to be affected in, in Wisconsin and Michigan as well if we're starting to find out that this stuff is what it is, like what we heard yesterday from the sheriff. We're going to listen last audio clip of the segment from him yesterday, kind of give a little bit of insight to what their independent investigation. Now, remember, for all of our listening audience, this was not an investigation that was funded by Real America's Voice. This is not an investigation that was paid for or influenced by people like Mike Lindell or President Trump. This was an independent investigation based off information that they received that they followed up on and felt like needed to get out there. So let's hear what he had to say yesterday when he kind of broke this news. After the election, she checked on my votewisconsin.com, which anyone can do, and she was able to learn that her mother's vote actually counted in that election after her mother had passed on. Hmm. It was interesting to note that Shirley's, I'm strike that Judy's mother, whose name is Shirley, uh, was experiencing severe cognitive decline. Physically, she was in decline, and to some degree, she was giving up uh, on life, unfortunately, in her, in her last days. She didn't want to keep up on current events, didn't watch TV, didn't read, uh, and was just at a, at a low point before she passed. So Judy was concerned, and Judy reached out to the Ridgewood Care Facility said, how could my mother possibly have voted? And she was informed by the executive director that the Wisconsin Election Commission authorized the employees of these facilities to execute the vote, Hmm. which by the way is a direct violation of law, which we will learn soon. Yeah. uh, Judy was obviously concerned and asked, you know, how could you actually do this? And she was informed that the employees would inquire as to how the uh, resident had voted in the past, and they would basically follow those guidelines and vote accordingly. Judy quite astutely asked, are are you telling me that if my mother could only recall JFK, that the staff would have voted Democrat for her? And uh, the answer was yes, in the affirmative, that's what they said. Judy inquired about her mother's severe uh, problems seeing, she had vision problems. She had broken glasses for months that she didn't even care about fixing because she, she she had given up to some degree. And Judy asked, how could my mother know that her vote was recorded accurately? She couldn't see. And she was informed, Judy was informed by the staff that the staff hoped that the other employees would be honest. 
Hoped. Hoped. Hoped? So Judy followed the appropriate channels. She researched the Wisconsin Elections Commission, which is supposed to ensure free and fair elections, and she filed a sworn affidavit with the Wisconsin Elections Commission. By the way, the penalty for falsely swearing in an affidavit it are, are criminal penalties, a fine, jail time, etc. But she felt strongly enough about this that she filed that sworn affidavit with the Wisconsin Elections Commission, voicing her concern that the facility took advantage of her mother due to her mother's diminished mental capacity. So, Heather, I don't know if you've been able to Oof. deep dive into this too much. I don't like it. Um, that was just one instance that we've referenced there. The, the, it, was, it was a long press conference, and he pointed out several said as many as 20,000 ballots could potentially be affected. What do you think about this breaking news out of Wisconsin as it seems to be coming down to be the center point of, you know, this whole uh, finding getting to the bottom of the 2020 election right now? You know, I think one of the big, the most important things that he brought up in that press conference was really the fact that the Wisconsin Election Commission had been, pretty much reached out to the governor's office and asked the governor's office to suspend some like election law or whatever um, that would require like people specifically designated to work with like in that capacity um, to suspend them because of COVID. And the governor came <laughs> back and said, like, I can't legally do that even in a state of an emergency, but then the Wisconsin election commission went and did it anyway. Yep. Yeah. So they were already told that the governor can't legally do this, but then they went and did it. And so you have a clear crime that was committed here by the Wisconsin election commission. And they can't even pretend like they didn't know because the governor had already said, we don't have the legal authority to do that. And so, in my opinion, if the attorney general like doesn't prosecute that, I mean, then we're we're talking complete lawlessness in Wisconsin is what that's going to break down to because that's a violation of law. Yeah, we need to enforce it. Mm -hmm. Well, they said that they couldn't have visitors, so those election officials couldn't go in. But when they looked at the visitor logs, they had DoorDash was coming in, <laughs> the the fish tank fish cleaner, tank. election dash, and, and like all these other people. It, it was ridiculous. And then, I mean, they were caught on tape actually admitting to what they were doing was illegal and breaking the law. I mean, there's yeah. that. That's enough for them, I think, to actually bring on some charges and get in trouble for it. You know, it, well, it'll be well, interesting well, to see, you know, because a lot of what we're seeing happen in one state, we see happen in multiple states, right? Yes. Like Wisconsin's yeah. not the only state where the election commission or the um, um, the secretary of states and stuff like that, like in Georgia, the consent decree with Stacey Abrams. I mean, yes. they're literally making these decisions illegally and bypassing um, elected officials and legislatures that are supposed to pass laws for them to do these things. Yeah, they, they definitely have. And we, we saw things in like Michigan and uh, Pennsylvania as well, where they would pass, you know, kind of different amendments to change up the elections for COVID or whatever. And then, mm -hmm. you know, it would go through the state legislator, it would go out, and then you'd have the Secretary of State, the governor, or both make more amendments to those amendments that weren't agreed on constitutionally and then implement them into the what would be the law um, of the state during the 2020 presidential election. It's, it's, but we, we, at the end of the day, we can all just relax because the sheriff said per the signed affidavit that the staff from the old folks home where this ballot harvesting was going on hoped that they would have yeah. voted for their clients with integrity. What's that thing where you hope in one hand and something in the other yeah, and see which one fills up first. It's definitely that one. Mm. Boy. 
So, Heather, this has been awesome, and, and we hope at some point down the road in the future to have you back. Obviously, we're going to continue to follow you and share everything that you're putting out there mm-hmm. because it's great information. But before we let you go, why don't you tell our listening audience where they could find you across social medias? Yeah, so pretty much if there's a platform, I'm on it, and my handle's the same across the board. It's at TalkMullins, T-A-L-K-M-U-L-L-I-N-S. So Getter, Telegram, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, Ben Swan, he's an investigative reporter. He just created a new platform called Sovereign. I'm, I'm going to be on Truth Social. I mean, I'm literally going to be on every platform because uh, I really have no idea who's going to censor me or when. So right. we're just trying to get everywhere. All your backups need backups. Yeah. Yes. So we, we will live link everything in our show description. We'll send them to you. And, and like I said, we hope to have you back. But in regards to today, this has been awesome. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule from important news to come and do a little with us on Steak for Breakfast. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, guys. Anytime. Take care. Bye. Before we got Carrie from Stilettos and Shotguns on with us, following Miss Heather Mullins of Real America's Voice, we're going to jump into something that came across the newswire yesterday. Some of the squad was in a subcommittee hearing in a segment I'm going to entitle The Green New What the Fuck. Man. Yeah. Uh, Antoinette, did you catch any of this? No, I didn't, I didn't see it. Did, yeah. they, did they catch any of it? Probably not, because they were telling everybody that not only is the world going to end Wait, soon. Didn't somebody say that like 15 years ago? Gosh. The person that invented the internet? It's inconvenient <laughs> truth. Man, that it didn't pig. happen. That CEOs from some of OPEC's top candidates like Chevron could be jailed for simply being a CEO of an oil company. What? Does it make sense? Good, you're about to hear it in real time. Here, How about news? Here's Rashida Tlaib trying to uh, make sense of whatever she doesn't know um, she's talking Mike, about. Mike Worth, when are you going to cut the check? Congresswoman, I, I'm not trying to understand the context of your question. That's okay. Okay. So, could I, excuse me, I, I'd like to correct something that excuse you've, me. That you've sure. been provided with some inaccurate information. Mm-hmm. Uh, Noble Energy was not a subsidiary of Chevron in, in 2000. Okay, you can submit it for the record, sir. So, Chevron, you can submit it to the committee. Chevron has about 70 serious cases of environmental and community abuses in 31 countries worldwide, owing over 50 billion in judgments and settlements checks literally settlement debts that you all have so mike when you're going to cut the check why are you screaming Congresswoman, check? i'm not familiar with the number you when you are cite. you going to cut the 50 billion dollar check that you owe it went through the courts you owe 50 billion dollars to communities in 31 countries congresswoman i'd be happy to take a look at the source for your information on sure. this and uh and get back flat to you on it wrong. because i have no understanding of what well i have a message for you oh. as chevron ceo i mean you made what 29 million dollars last year in poisoning the planet thanks for letting me um, answer <laughs> wow mr worth you you can't arrest us all can i finish can i finish can you I, can't can arrest I finish? the truth can I finish? do you understand what i'm trying to say to you no Congresswoman, I, I am uh, not exactly following. So, so you're targeting <laughs> in actions against the human rights lawyer, Dotsinger. I mean, what you did there, your company, maybe through subsidiaries, I don't know. I just want to remind you, there are more of us than there are of you. Ooh. You can poison the planet to make money, but we're going to defend the planet so we can live. And we will win. So, uh, you know, I need Chevron to cut the check. You owe $50 billion to indigenous communities and people that you harmed for profit. This is not about vilifying these companies. This is about accountability. 
you all know we're all paying the cost from our public health to our environment, the actions that you take, and you're hiding behind subsidiaries, and it's wrong. These are residents putting ballot initiatives on their so, local. So every time she asked a question, he just kind of sat there with his mouth open and stared at her because he really didn't know what she was talking about. Yeah, she sounded like a crazy baby mama asking for <laughs> asking for uh, child, child support. support. Yeah. Got the check. Got the check. He's like, uh, I'm sorry, I don't know what you mean by check. Bitch, better have my money. Say, <laughs> say, say indigenous again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was awful. But but you know who who is worse? I can't even imagine. Miss mm. Ocasio Ortez. Oh, I hate her. Yeah, and I'm glad you've saved that, uh, Mr. Garrison, mm. because um, you know, she made some references to uh, oil drilling and saying that it would render whole regions of the United States uninhabitable in less than 20 years. That's a thing. Oh gosh. You ready for this know, one? Does she know that it's on the outside of the ground? I don't think she knows that you have. I think your... she's thinking of like strip mining. You don't have your hand on the button, but you will by the end of this clip. Safety and value creation, technology development, it is a portfolio of responsibilities that the compensation committee judges me on. Thank you very much. You know, I think one thing that often gets lost in these conversations is that some of us have to actually live the future that you all are setting on fire for us. <laughs> oh, my God. By 2028, crop yields are, be, are already projected to begin to fail, <sighs> with famine beginning to hit the world's most vulnerable populations. By 2038, current U.S. drought, fire, and extreme heat trends make, will, could potentially make whole regions of the United States unlivable if we could. continue the trends that lobbyists are trying to, to pers- have us pursue. And we have a tipping point by 2036. We do not have the privilege or the luxury of lobbyist spin. And it is incredibly important that we don't reach net zero or in, in some imaginary future. In China but that or we India? actually cut through to carbon emissions like reductions here in the United States and globally. I, uh, Excuse me, I'd I like submit to close that my tab. future. <laughs> Wow. We're all going to die. Oh, scissor me timbers. Oh, oh. <laughs> Got another one? Oh. There you go. <laughs> so usually in these in, in these hearings, you know, we've seen it. We usually only play the people that are, are dunking on the retards, but. Sometimes it, we have to play the retards. Right. And, and we just played back-to-back clips of them. But this, this usually does go back and forth. However, Representative Donald's yesterday who usually is not outspoken in these, in these uh, subcommittee oversight hearings, had had enough. And, and, and he had listened to these people. Like, w- when you bring these people into Congress, they're, they're not going to continue to to order uh, these people in here and have them being taken seriously if they're going to just, you know, you had two CEOs in a row being like, I, I, I'm sorry, I literally don't know what you're talking about. And they're like, no, you know. It's the end of everything. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where you kind of just have to sit back and look and just be like, good God, who put these people in their seats? So we're kind of sitting there wondering what what could possibly come out of this. And, and Senator Donaldson or uh, Representative Donaldson came in hard um, talking about this narrative. And. Yeah, let's hear Senator Donaldson actually jump in on this whole thing and kind of put an end to it before it even gets any worse than it could possibly get. 
First of all, to, to the witnesses, the, the leaders of, of Exxon, Chevron, BP, Shell, I know that the, the climate activists in Twitter world, which Dave Chappelle says doesn't exist, and he's right because it's just people who have nothing better to do but type on their keyboards, and we do it too here in Congress. But let's be very clear. You need an apology because what I witnessed today um, was just rank intimidation by the chair of this committee. Trying to get you to pledge on what you're going to spend your money on is a gross violation of the First Amendment. And just because we're members of Congress and we got microphones and we pass laws does not mean that we also have the ability to infringe on your ability to what to organize, whether it's API or anybody else, or what you choose to spend your money on. It is disgusting. There you go. It is absolutely disgusting. Somebody needs to go call Merrick Garland, tell him to get in here and watch the intimidation that came from this very panel today. Mm. Because this is not about defending big oil or defending big anything. It's about defending the ability of people in our country to be free, say what they want, think what they want, spend their money how they choose. And if we're not going to be any better than the Chinese, how do we ever expect to beat them on the world stage when we're cutting our neck when it comes to energy production, while they are burning more coal, they are burning more oil, they're increasing their emissions, and they're not showing up in Scotland. You know why they're not showing up in Scotland? Because they're interested in building an economy. They're interested in becoming the dominant economic player across the globe. They're interested in becoming the dominant military player across the globe. And while we joke around and mess around intimidating you guys who frankly heat our homes, you cool our fridges, you keep our cars going, this is insane. So I'm sorry for you. And I'm sorry for the people in our country who have to witness shenanigans like this and witness circuses like this. That's why they call that one show on HBO, whatever it is, The Circus, because that's exactly what this is. Madam Chair, I'm requesting that a letter be entered into the record. This is a. And then he kind of just say his record would be an amendment to it, apologizing on behalf of the committee for the inappropriate behavior of the idiots who we played in clip one and clip two. Nice. Antoinette, Representative Donalds isn't someone who usually speaks out in such a colorful nature. What do you feel? uh, I mean, we've heard the first two clips. There was probably about a dozen more that I found of them just trying to, like he said, intimidate these CEOs. And they're, they're taking a page out of the Biden playbook where he talked about the ports and the supply and demand and the truck drivers can't get the containers, blah, blah, blah. And then he talks shit about Amazon and Walmart in the very next breath. They're doing the exact same thing. And representative Donald pointed it out. These people heat our homes. They give us, you know, although ridiculously inflated prices at the gas pump and at the grocery store, they're the ones that keep the lights on literally in the country and across the world. And these people are there for demanding money from them, demanding where their money is going to be spent talking about zero emissions in the carbon emissions in the United States when places like Iran and India and China will never even be close. And it just bad optics, another complete disaster and and backfire in the face of these people. What do you think? I think it looks and makes them look really bad. And I think he's had enough just like everybody else has, you know, they're not getting anywhere by, questioning the guy like that and he had all great points it's true yeah what like what were they asking him for what 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 does that help like they're asking him how and how to spend his money they're telling him basically how to spend his money kind of rubbing it in his face that you know he makes what 29 million dollars i don't know how much she, she said but What's the point of even mentioning that? Right. And with all the insider trading that they're doing in the House and in the Senate, exactly. who, who knows how much money they're all worth. Another distraction away from what they're doing themselves, you know, projection artistry. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. I, I hope, you know, this panel doesn't get to sit in front of the Senate, too, because it's probably going to be equally as bad, and there are a lot more heavy hitters in the Senate right now than there are in the House that are paying attention to stuff like this. Yeah. So we're going to segue now to our final guest on this Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast. Ooh. She is where the pretty meets gritty. She's the account holder of stilettos and shotguns. Carrie, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. That's one way of putting it. Some people would just call me a raging bitch, but, um, you know, I'll take either one. We so, shan't be calling you that. I, I could tell you that for sure. Look, I'm actually a really nice person. So if, if I've been a bitch to somebody or somebody calls me that, they might want to ask themselves why. So probably deserved it. <laughs> they absolutely deserve it. And the difference is, is I'm the person you know, they don't bridge your bridges, but I will scorch the earth and you on it and fertilize my, my garden with your ashes because I don't care. <laughs> I dig it. I dig it. When, when I'm to that point, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, I'm kind of over it. So thanks for having me on y'all. I appreciate it. No, so, we appreciate I see it. We're, I see we're talking about one of my favorite idiots, uh, AOC today. Yeah. Uh, she, <laughs> she was, this is good times. She was pretty embarrassing yesterday up on Capitol Hill talking about, like we said, she, she had some of the OPEC execs in there. I believe it was Chevron and a couple other ones. And they were just making these ridiculous claims and accusing them of things and then demanding to know where, where their money is going to be going in the future as, you know, the United States continues to try to do things that the rest of the world won't, but we continue to pay the rest of the world to do right. and, and not do. Yeah, we're, we're going to pay you to do India this. and China, China. Exactly. And, and and places like India and stuff like that that just have no regulation on, yep. on anything, yep. but that's where a lot of the products are made, so that's why, kind of why we give them the pass. Um, yep. I, I want to focus on you while you're here. Obviously, you do some, some great stuff in the, in the 2A community. Um, why don't you tell us exactly what you're doing uh, right now to help out some of these ladies across the country uh, be a little bit more prepared in life? Well, I, I mean, in short, um, I run a, an organization, a nonprofit organization called We the Female, and our mission is to arm the women with education, confidence, and self-defense. And that, that, that mission statement came out of understanding personally as domestic violence survivor that uh, works with domestic violence and sexual assault survivors every day that the attitude in the gun community to a community, whatever that means because that's that's not even it's kind of a mess itself is we need to just arm women women won't be victims if we just arm them well I, I work in a lane that where people have to understand that these are the people these are the women that they really want armed above and beyond right, right. being survivors but sometimes we have to help these women understand that their lives are worth saving to begin with so I, I run in this fine line where I fight two fronts between the people that want to take away our ability to defend ourselves and the people that don't understand it's not just as simple as, as handing them a gun. And uh, so that's why we have the philosophy of a holistic approach to self-defense and, and helping them at first embrace the idea of defending themselves and that they're worthy of it. And then how to become, how to become lethal <laughs> once they get there. <laughs> Now, when you say a holistic approach to self-defense, I, I like that. That's different. Now Thank you're you. talking. You're talking about women that that have really been through some stuff. Well, without yeah. getting into any specifics, maybe about individual women that you have gone through there. Tell us about part of that healing process as you prepare them to be more aware of not only like their surroundings, but the but the things that are going on in their life to to kind of bring them back on the road to recovery. I'll use me as is a great example because sometimes those anecdotes tend to be you know the most effective. 
and where, where the mind can be. First and foremost, let me qualify this by saying a lot of people think, that's why I'm glad that the, the concept of domestic violence awareness is going away and, and the language is, is moving more toward domestic abuse mm-hmm. awareness. And of course, this being domestic um, violence abuse awareness month, which you don't see uh, nearly as much of that as you do pink ribbons right. um, around there. <laughs> But uh, um, people, because because of the the violence connotation, people assume that that domestic violence is consciously. They assume that it's it's actually physically the physical hitting, um, as opposed to the mental and emotional abuse that leads up to it, right. that allows that abuser to actually get to that point to begin with. And so, I personally, you know, people would look at me were surprised that I was a victim. But to give you an idea of, of how broken a, a survivor can be is after I was long after, you know, I after my situation, he had beat me up and we were going through all the mess and the legal stuff. I had become very ill, obviously stress. I flew and I had 103 fever. I had just been discharged from the hospital and my ex kept harassing me, even with a no contact order, kept calling, 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 calling. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, and I had to answer the phone. And he just, and he just kept on me and kept on me and kept on me. Now, mind you, I'm sitting in bed. Broke you down. Yeah, just discharged from the hospital. I, you know, I still was suffering from some of the, the, I mean, my bruises had healed, but I had still had cracked teeth and, you know, some Mm. other things from, from the last episode, they beat me up. But when I hung up the phone with him, I said to myself, I wouldn't be going through this if I hadn't called the cops. So even in that moment, I was still blaming myself, even though I knew I had done the right thing right? by, by calling. Well, I did the, you know, the justice system failure of that is a whole different story, but, um, I, I still found a way to blame myself for him harassing me. And that's a really great example of where the headspace is of, of victims and survivors. And so when I say we have to help them understand their lives are worth saving to begin with, I have to sometimes, sometimes the women are like, no, nah, you're never doing that again. You know, and I can tell, I, I can do a little vocal, you know, verbal interview with them. And I, <laughs> I can always tell when they're ready to strap up and, you know, if they need a little bit of, you know, emotional support getting there. But um, a lot of them, they're not. And the concern is if you hand them a gun and they're not in that right headspace, if that guy shows up and gets in her head, he can use it against her. Right. Which is exactly the narrative that they all love for, uh, you know, gun grabbing, right? I mean, domestic violence survivors and kids are always the two biggest talking points for gun control. And the one that cracks me up the most is, I mean, I literally laugh when I hear it and I'm actually becoming more exasperated with it now is the a domestic violence victim is five times more likely to die if a gun is in the home oh gosh but what are they not saying to you there right they're not saying by gun so this is one of the things that kind of leads into and I know for some of y'all that follow you know that y'all follow me that I talk about policy a lot and mm-hmm. how policy isn't written is often will get us bigger than how policy is written, you know, lawmaking and stuff. So that's a statement in itself is that way. Well, I can tell you from personal experience that when I left my abuser and he was let out of jail, I went, I was at the arraignment and law enforcement came to me and they said, we're getting him out. We're, we're letting him out. And do you have a place to go 
for three or four days. And I said, yeah, that he doesn't know about. And I said, yeah, why? And they said, because he's, the chances of him escalating violence is significantly higher once he gets out of jail. So this is this, so that the, in what people don't understand when they, you know, use that term or that, that's that vague statistic that gun grabbers and gun rights groups, gun control groups like to use is they, it's not about domestic abuse is not about killing the victim. It's about control. And so when the victim wants to leave and they, they start making those steps by calling the cops or doing whatever to leave, that's when they get angrier and the violence escalates. So it's completely misleading and, and manipulative to say that a gun in the home is when she's five times more likely to die. And, and the statistics show it. I mean, and don't believe me. I love to tell this to people. Look, I'm, I'm telling you this, you want to believe me straight up. Cool. Right. Awesome. But nothing I'm saying to you is not available data-wise. And you can go to the FBI. Don't go to the gun. Don't go to every town. Don't go to Shannon. How, how, what's my rating on here? Can I? <laughs> oh, unedited. Go for it. Yeah. Shannon twats. <laughs> don't go to her. Don't go to any of these idiots. Go to the FBI statistics. And, and, and yes, it is a needle and it is a needle in a haystack. Y'all I get it. Believe me. I have to, I read that stuff every year and it's a headache. But it's as big of a headache as it is, it's also stupid detailed and broke down right. if you want to take the time to look for it. And they will tell you on there, well, even just most most murders were by hands and feet, I think, in, in 2020 or something like that. But most uh, domestic violence uh, is, is by hands, usually, uh, it, or uh, another being hit by something, uh, yeah. as opposed to a firearm. A firearm is actually a very small number of deaths. Mm-hmm. But they're the ones that make the most news. And and let me be clear, and I want to I want people to understand because we go after, and I believe me, I for those of you that follow me, I know y'all do, you know this. Understand that we can go after gun grabbers all day or the, or our neighbors or our friends or the people that follow us, right? And they're like, well, we gotta do this. Please understand that those people have been brainwashed by by politicians, right? Yes. We all know what the end game of gun control. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, it is it is to disarm the, the American citizens yep. for control. And, and so when you leave comments like, well, shall not be infringed. And this is my right. And blah, blah, blah. And all that crap that that is lost on them, because the people that are that are, are arguing with you on the Internet that you're making a point to argue with genuinely believe that it, it's about safety of, of the people and the children. Yeah, they really believe that because they have been manipulated. To believe to believe that by the people that have the bigger agenda. So remember that as you're as you're moving forward with those conversations, and and you'll you'll be able to see when you get to somebody when you don't. So I love to tell people because I I confronted Kamala Harris uh, in Seattle. Nice. Ooh, how that go? And uh, it's out. You guys can find the video. It's out there. Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty anticlimactic, but it is out there. But one of the most powerful moments was. Let me guess. She doesn't answer the question. She kind of went. Because she wasn't ready for oh, it. Oh, she didn't but, cackle. But, <laughs> oh, she was cackling with them, uh, oh, the other people. Because I kind of cut, I, I kind of weaseled my way around. Look, I, to be to be fair, one of her, she had this little beta male that was a security guy. I could have knocked him over and taken him out. But she, there was some chick that she had. I got to give her props. I don't know what she's deadlifting, but that ass wasn't moving. <laughs> like she had like, con- it was like she had concrete in her feet. And I, so, and she kept hitting me with her hair. You can, you'll see the video. <laughs> anyway, the, the, the biggest 
impact, uh, the biggest aha moment for me, I should say, when, when being an advocate for self-defense was not with her, obviously. It was in the bathroom with two of her minions that were going on and on and on about her and how wonderful she was. And Ugh. I didn't say, I didn't make allude to me or, or anything right away. I said, you know, it's unfortunate that she didn't want to talk to a domestic violence survivor about red flag laws. That's all I said. And so they went into their, you know, canned, well, you know, she's busy, you know, everything to, to defend, you know, protect her and, or, you know, uh, make excuses for her, I should say. And I leaned over to them and I said, I'm the domestic violence victim. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Are oh, you yeah. okay? That's oh. awful. That's going to go do this. So, the, but this was my aha moment that the, the gun world, right? The two A advocates and the, the gun community what they, what they don't understand is they keep yelling, we need to not be, you know, they're so emotional and it's, you know, we have the facts and we have the logic. It doesn't matter y'all. They don't give a shit about that. And y'all literally know that like, these people are so emotional. So that was my aha moment where I realized their need to show me that they were empathetic, that they were trying to show me empathy for being a survivor was more important than sticking up for her or making excuses for, for gun control. Right. Yeah. And that was my aha moment where I realized we have to, so I like to say that we have to use emotion, but not be emotional because, and, and so I've used that several times since that happened. And what I end up doing is breaking those people into, well, we, 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 we've got to do something. What do you think? Boom. But the minute that they say that, it, and you just stay a resource for them and don't keep pounding them, right? Because they'll shut down. Now you've opened up the door for conversation. Yeah, and I've right. literally put guns in the hands of, of 55-year-old feminazi nut jobs that hated guns and wanted nothing, to, you know, liberal crazies. Uh, <laughs> and, and I've literally put guns in their hands um, and, and had them ready to go shoot. It takes forever. It's a marathon. I let her listen to my speech that I gave. Uh, on the lawn, Capital Lawn in DC, where I described how my ex beat me up. And she looked at me and she said, I would have fucking shot him. And I just leaned over to her and I said, would you? Mm -hmm. And then she realized what she had said, but I used Tell me more. Right. Right. I used emotion, not emotional. And then two weeks later, she, I was carrying and she saw my gun and she asked to hold it. So I cleared out and gave it to her and she's ready to go to the range. So that's, that's the angle that we kind of have to use is that we have to be, we have to use emotion, use their weapons. Yeah. Use it against them. But but, but use them in a good way, but use them more logically than, than they do. Yeah. You're out there doing Lord's work. I tell you that much and and, and maybe some more. Now, now listen, we, it's exhausting. <laughs> oh no, it certainly is. And you know what else is exhausting is the news cycle. And you said a couple things out there that, that raised some red flags, no pun intended. Don't want to grab your guns either or talk about policy. However, ever since his congressional nomination was denied, most famously known for such delightful cinematic pieces as Ruby Ridge in Waco, Texas. Oof. Yeah. M- Mr. Uh, David Chipman did a little news cycle 
this weekend. Dude. Yeah, talked about him uh, not getting nominated. And, uh, I fucking hate that guy. Yeah, well, we're, <laughs> we're going to play a little clip for you of him. He got and, his and, lunch money taken one too many times. And then we're going to talk about how <laughs> thankful we are that he did not get the nomination oh, for the ETF. No, I can't. I mean, it would be like, it'd be like the ghouls We want to turn now to a nationwide increase in violent crime. The FBI has reported homicides rose at their fastest rate in at least six decades last year. The vast majority committed with a gun. President Biden interview. promised new gun safety measures, but that promise suffered a major setback last month after his top choice to lead the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms was blocked in the U.S. Senate. Oh. Well, tonight, that nominee, David Shipman, is speaking out in a CBS News exclusive. I have for 25 years as an ATF agent, and largely for 10 years after that, committed myself to one thing. Killing oh. people. Preventing gun violence in this country. I was close. Oh. I was going to say unless, it's, me, unless, it's, unless it happens from him. That yeah. you're not for preventing gun violence. I mean, Republicans said that you oppose the Second Amendment, that you're radical, that you're anti-gun. I'm a concealed carry owner in Virginia who swore an oath to our Constitution. I don't mm. mean a desk job. I mean, I was on the SWAT team. I was in dangerous and perilous situations all the time. But it wasn't just Republicans who opposed Chipman. The final blow was delivered by Senator Angus King, an independent. Good old Angus. The resistance I met, senators like King in Maine, was, I'm concerned you will not play nice with the gun industry that you regulate. And that was shocking to me. What is the job of the ATF? Protect this country from uh, gun trafficking and domestic terror. I thought it was the fun place. This is, you know, oh, a unique shit. agency that yep. has to regulate the firearms industry, regulate the explosives industry, and really is on the front line of the greatest threats to our country at this time. And that's the word that scares people, regulate. That by regulating the gun industry, that means you're going to make it harder for lawful owners to buy guns, or you're gonna go and take their guns away. The fear is well, yeah. it's gonna be harder for people who sell guns to sell guns absent any accountability for profiting from selling them to criminals Stop and it. terrorists. The reality is, is in much of America, it's easier to buy a gun uh, than a beer. The problem is- False. Yeah, fact check, wow. false. I wonder who, who believes that shit. Oh, wait, hold on a second. I know, right? I know. It's all the people that are completely brainwashed by the media who have never even been within three feet of a gun that they know of. It wasn't Representative Angus. If I I'm not that walking much. around. Yeah, but would be like begging for somebody to help them if they were in a situation and they needed one. I wonder, like, I wonder, okay. Uh oh. He said it's easier to buy a gun than, than a, a beer. beer. Yeah. So, so can any of you <laughs> snort laughed? <laughs> So if any of you tell me what 7-Eleven I can hang out in front of and have somebody else buy me a gun, that'd be great. Well, he, he, he also gives out that misleading statement that he he's like, well, I'm a concealed carry uh, person in, in, in... No, he said he was a concealed carry owner. In Virginia. Owner. Yeah. It's not even like a thing. Like, Okay, spoiler alert. He's a fucking federal officer. He's got a concealed carry permit for everywhere. Yeah, you don't need right. a concealed carry permit. I bet he yeah, doesn't even have one. So also the at the end of the day, this is this is how you kind of you know get that argument. I mean, what just kills any of that with the regulation is every bit that the ATF regulates that isn't banned, like bump stocks, which was that's a whole other story, but that's a whole other podcast. Um, right, the whole tax stamps and this and that, and right. The ATF is nothing but a revenue generator yeah. for yeah. the United States government. Because if it were really about safety. 
they wouldn't allow the manufacturing of, of these things at all right uh, mm-hmm. in, in the united states so it, it's bullshit i mean and and we all know that right i mean we're talking we all know that so the real question is is how do you carry these conversations on with people to get the ones that that believe that to change their minds right because we can sit here in these echo chambers and talk about this all and this is one of my frustrations um, with advocates in the industry and, and in all this kind of stuff is they all sit there and they, they go on each other's shows and they take selfies with each other at the, the conventions and all this stuff. And that, that's cool and all, because you may be bringing, you know, other points to them that they can, they can talk about. But the reality is if you're going to create change, you've got to get out of that. Yeah. So we need to be having conversations about how do we help explain to people that he's full of shit, yeah. you know? You notice he didn't say anything about it. He said explosives unless he's using it to burn up babies and mamas. Yeah, I wonder, mamas. I wonder, That's all I'm saying. I wonder how he really felt when, when he got to walk across the rubble and feel the branch Davidians between his toes. <laughs> yeah. You know he so took his shoes I've off. Actually, I've actually hit some moderate, more moderate-leaning liberals that were in the, I know gun control doesn't work, but we've got to do something right. over him. And then, like, you realize that he's the dude that, that murdered women and children and then took a selfie and then took a selfie on their selfie. Yeah. Yeah. And he, they went silent and I'm like, watch, wake, like watch it, watch that, that documentary, that little docudrama, whatever they did on HBO, whatever it was, the seven, like mini series or whatever it was that that's actually really good. So it's, it's fun to poke at in retrospect and then totally out of context, not for the actual people that died, but that guy was literally a psychopath in in all aspects. For, on both ends of it. Like if it was like a Hollywood movie and it was him, he would have like a maniacal laugh and then like some sort of weird like signature. Well, he's, you know, he looks like it already though. Well, yeah. I was just going to say, he's got that look. You know, my husband is, is a, he's a trained, like reads body language and, and that kind of stuff. And he's taught me, taught me a few tricks. And I'm like, that dude is so yeah. Like Yo, you can yeah, right see away. It. You can yeah. totally see it. It's yeah. Real. Like he yeah, goes out it, on the weekends and like murders bums or something. <laughs> nice. Kills homeless <laughs> people possible. for sport. Yeah. I swear you, I would not be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't. No, it wouldn't phase me in the least at all. I'd be, and he's probably out there doing it with Cuomo. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I said it. <laughs> so he's dipping the garlic knots too. The deadliest game. Yeah, probably. Nice. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think, I think he's got some, well, you know, Cuomo's got those pierced nipply thing. Look, mm, which I don't care. Right. Party you, tits. Whatever you do, you do you. Right. But, like you can hear when he talks. Like he's got Eat that. the sausage. That, Awkward, effeminate, like there's there's effeminate gay and trans, whatever, right? And you all know if you know. No, I think he's gay or bisexual. (laughs) Yeah, but I think he's hiding it repressed. And that's the thing, like, dude, just cannot be you. Because that's when it gets dangerous and people go off the rail is when they got to, when they repress that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So, because I'm about arming everybody. Everybody, I'm like Oprah, (laughs) you know, with with a gun. And and like everybody gets their guns and gets to defend their life because it's an inalienable human right. It's not my responsibility to decide who gets to own a gun and who doesn't, who's reformed as a felon, who isn't, who's mentally stable and who is, that's not my job, not my responsibility. It is my responsibility to be better trained than those that wish to do me harm. So there it is. this mm-hmm. dude, I think has got some repressed issue things going on, but above and beyond that, right? When we're talking about language and we're talking about what things are said or not said and the whole thing about, I, I want y'all to, to catch on something. I don't know if you, you caught this or not, but the, the comment being, they're afraid he's not going to play nice with the gun industry, yep. the manufacturers. What does that tell you about the manufacturers? Does that mean they've been playing nice with the government this whole time? Of course Does they this are. mean that the NRA yeah. has been playing nice with the government this whole time? 
Awkward. Every day it becomes more apparent that almost everything the government does is just for optics. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I've seen, I've actually watched uh, NRA lobbyists sit and help write gun legislation personally. Well, I wouldn't personally doubt that it. at all. So that should tell you that's, I, I, and that's one of those things, right? People miss those kind of statements, right? So that's a bigger thing right there is what did you, what was said there that people need to think more existentially about? And let's be honest. The, the internet has made people stupid. You know, all of this information, all of this, this knowledge at our fingertips and, and well, I, let me rephrase it. Social media has made people there stupid. There you go. Yeah. And, well, and there's people that don't even know their way home and they live three miles from where they work. Right. They I just, just use the GPS. Yeah. I just moved. <laughs> <laughs> After Actually, living I'm, there I'm, for 10 years. I'm back and forth between Washington State and, and, and Georgia. I'm, I'm, I'm still a resident in Washington State and will be a resident until my case is done. I'm suing the state. Nice. Um, over over the, the gun law, 1639. And it, we're actually going to the Washington State Supreme Court. Nice. Uh, wow, good to luck. get it overturned on a technicality. Thank you. Thank you. That's that's the law that threw me into to gun rights activism. Uh, advocacy, I prefer the word, uh, because they, there's a component of it. There's many components of it that are that are bad, but the one that went under the radar conveniently is when you now sign the 4473. So for those of you that listen to this that don't know, that's the form that gun grabbers tell you doesn't exist. That's the that's the Fed, the FBI federal federal background check form <laughs> that you that you have to sign to go through a background check. And in the state of Washington now, the minute that you sign that, it's an automatic waiver of your medical records. Mm. And so they can awesome. go in and look at you, right? Yeah. So they can go in and look at your medical records and decide essentially if you're mentally fit to, to, to purchase a gun to begin with. Well, mm -hmm. I did what I was supposed to many years ago after I got beat up and I went to treatment for, for PTSD. So now I have PTSD in my medical record. And again, it's not how policy is always written. It's how it's not written that allows them a metaphoric blank check to kind of do whatever they want to do. And that's usually what it is, right? It's, it's a check to a committee and then the committee gets to create whatever they want. And because you voted for the law with the committee in it, that's what allows you to do that. And I'm looking at you, Dan Crenshaw, and your stupid support of the TAPS Act. Don't Ooh. give me your bullshit well, we because all. I don't try to tell me it's not about red flag laws. I know it's not because it's a committee that will allow for red flag laws. So save your bullshit. Yeah, we all hate his guts so on this show. I've too. had it out with him in DMs on social media over that. I'm like, eh, I see you. Save it. No, so, you're 100 um, percent correct. And, and, and that's the thing with 1639 is there's no criteria in there about how far back they can look. There's nothing saying they can't look every year. Uh, there's nothing saying that Limit. what medications will approve, they won't approve, you know, and there's a lot of people that take medications that are classified as antidepressants or what have you that aren't related to that at all. And for a lot of women, actually, they go through breast cancer treatment. Mm -hmm. Some of the hormone, some of the hormone regulators are, are classified as antidepressants. So yeah. the lack of the lack of structure in that leaves it completely arbitrary. I like to say it's like, what is, is Margaret? down there at the public health authority, whatever that means. She pissed off at her husband and didn't change her hormone patch one day. So now she's going to deny you the purchase yeah. of gun, which right. you know, come on, man, you come on, man. You know that they're going to open you up for a red flag law, uh, that you're going to be in the radar to be red flagged because that law passed the year after that passed in 19 there. And you know that they didn't put those two laws on the ballot to begin with on no. purpose. They passed one knowing watching that temperature and then they pass the next one yep. knowing that they would feed each other hmm. 
That's the sense. stuff I like to get into with, with politics and, and policy and helping people understand broader about why things are the way they are. And, and uh, women get mad in the class, which is good. Cause that's, that's the point. Tell them, I, get I, it out. I don't like to just make, I get just don't out. like to teach. I don't like to just teach them how to be armed. I like to teach them how to become advocates, not for the second amendment specifically, but for their right for to defend the second amendment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and their right to defend themselves. Look at places like Australia right now where they don't have a constitution like we do and they don't have a second yeah. amendment. It's so, not going well. Not at all. Right. Let's see how right. it works out for them. Cotton. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, this exactly. is perfect. Bull move. <laughs> yeah. Carrie, this yeah. is this has been awesome getting to know you. We are gonna definitely ask you to come back at some point. You're gonna do some of the news with us when you do. I mean, everybody's first appearance on the show is kind of like interview format. We wanna know. We bring you on for a reason. We think you do stuff that's really good for the community. Thank not you. not just for guns, but but with women in general and, and obviously learning more about you today and all you've been through, how you're rebuilding, you know, broken people back up to be strong again is is, is so important in this day and age. Can you tell us where our, all our listeners can get in contact with you on social media and stuff like that? They can find me. I'm most active on, on Instagram and you can find me stilettos and shotguns is my main page. If you are sensitive, it may not be the best option for you. Uh, I also have a backup page over there cause I'm, I'm going to, I'm going down anytime soon. Uh, but where you can follow the work is we, the female underscore official on Instagram. We, the female.net is our website and uh, we, the female on Facebook as well. Um, and you can, do, I am a 501c3 organization it, or we the female is. And so all of your donations are tax deductible. And part of what we do, a significant amount of what we do, I don't take a paycheck from it at all. I'm blessed to be in that position, but I just received a message right before I came on with you all today of a woman who took the uh, her concealed carry class, couldn't afford the permits and the application fee. So she sat on it. Uh, it expired. And now she's got to um, go back and, and do it all again. And she can't afford it. So we're going to pay where we pay for that. Nice. Nice. Yeah. We pay for their permits. We help pay for the, if I can't get to them to train them because I became a, an instructor myself uh, just to help with this purpose. So, but even women that pay to take the training, 100% of that goes back in that other women that can afford it are helping to support women that can't. We also help, we'll help with legal fees for women that are trying to have uh, their felony record um, expunged so that they can have their gun rights back as well. We can't afford, obviously we can, we can pitch in. <laughs> we can't right, right. lawyer. Well, but so in, any, wow. in any way that we can help um, women get armed, that's, that's what we do. Yeah. You're really doing an amazing job. And like I said, we, Thank you. we'd be really uh, blessed to have you come back and, and spend some time with us and, and joke around and do some news commentary with us as well. Carrie, Stilettos and Shotguns, We the Female. Thank you for coming on Steak for Breakfast today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Marathon Friday oh. edition in the books. Yes. Team, excellent job. That was a lot harder to put together than it was to actually do. But at the end of the day, it's all for our community. For sure. Sure is. You know what else uh, is for the community? the steak for breakfast podcast Ooh. yeah you can find them on itunes spotify pandora podbean google podcast fm player and now iHeartRadio. download the show subscribe rate it and review listen like follow and give us some shares please sharesies show creds of the week obviously for all of our lovely guests today gubernatorial candidate out of arizona miss carrie lake heather mullins from real america's voice 
the infamous Garbaggio, who will be coming back sometime late November, early December, and Carrie, owner, operator, and CEO of We the Female. I liked it, and I liked her. I actually liked all of our guests today. They definitely overachieved. Yeah. All good people doing great things. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what else usually overachieves is our sponsors. They're all American-owned and operated. Help make small businesses great again. Odyssey. Headphone needs, they'll get you squared away right. They're at They're on Facebook and Instagram. Stay Ready Gear. Stay Ready Gear holsters. They make a whole bunch of other cool things out of uh, melted plastic. They got some coasters, some dump trays. Koozies? Yeah. Well, I don't think they do koozies. Not yet. Or coolies, as I like to call them. Coolies. I don't even know what you're talking about. StayReadyGear.com. They're on <laughs> Facebook and Instagram as well. Man rubs. Don't mistreat your meat. Mm-mm. Almost time to get that Thanksgiving turkey all slathered up with rubs of the man. <laughs> Deep fry it, slice it up, throw it in your mouth. Num, num, num. Manrubs.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram. West Coast Survival Arms. West Coast Survival Arms.com is a newly redesigned website for Mike. He's an awesome arms dealer. He's got a lot of ammo as well. 619-870-6992. He's also on Facebook Messenger. Our first responder friends, Mediocre Medic. They're at MediocreMedic.com. All that tactical gear for our firefighters, police, EMS. And then if you just want to be extra, DumpBox.us. Home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Go find Mark Joe Friday and waste some money, please. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. And their tactical gear is amazing. Hit us up with that promo code. Yeah. I'm just going to say it. M-I-L-15. Go get it, everybody. Buy some stuff. Get some money off. I don't think Mark listens all the way till the end anyways. Nah, Upcoming shows. Got him. Tuesday is going to be equally as large. We're going to have Raheem Kassam and Jessica Harlow of the Jessica Harlow podcast. Uh, next Friday is going to be our Friends edition with Reverse Mockingbird, The Calling of Esther, and Truth on Draft 2.0. Kyle Becker is coming back with us on the 9th of November. On the 12th, we're going to have Elizabeth Jade of Playboy and Maxim. On the 16th, oh dang, Natalie Denise said she'd like to come back. And I said, you want to know what? That sounds like a great idea. I invited her. She accepted. And on the 26th, we'll have a regular guest host, but we'll also have an interview with Trisha Flanagan. She's an America First candidate running out of New Jersey. And I've been tracking her, seeing some good things that she's been doing, and I'd really like to get her through the show. And uh, for all our listeners over there in the tri-state area, especially New Jersey, hear everything that she's got going on. Friends of the Week, Richard Townsend, Sublime and Slime. He's helped direct a lot of guests that you guys hear on this show our way. Nice. He runs a major, major conservative Discord. Go follow that account on Instagram. He's done a lot of good work for this community for a long time. He's one of the people that helped get Donald Trump over the finish line in 2016, and he's working everything he can do right now to get guests on this show and get Papa back to where he belongs. Alan, the host of the Great Divide podcast, two shows in a row. He's uh, extensively messaged or uh, mentioned Steak for Breakfast. Nice. Last episode, he had James from We The People Radio on, also one of our other friends. Those guys help make our community that much better than it already is. I love them both, and and we love both of their shows. Uh, Real Brenda Memes X, even though when I uh, was checking Instagram before, it's currently disabled. We'll see if there's a Real Brenda Memes 11 by Tuesday. They're after her. Right. Tara Ann Texas, the Duke of Memes. Gabriel Savage and Sheep No More now having their podcast. I believe the second episode which would be episode one after the pie will be out this week the defiant party which is reverses new account which he's using for the pod 
He did a teaser the other day. I thought it was pretty good. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good show, and we're gonna have him on next Friday. Grand old memes. Snack Nicholson in danger of getting deleted. So make sure you go follow the backup account. Uncharted territories. <laughs> Huberto's <laughs> came back this week with a couple of fire reels that we shared, so I said he was going in show creds. Mostly peaceful memes, and that Southern dude round out friends of the week. Guys, today was a long one. Noah's tired. I'm tired. Antoinette's tired. But we're still going to do the things that we ask you to do in between now and Tuesday. I'm tired for, for a living. For our next show. Hey, stop it. We got that judge in D.C. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. You know what else is going to happen? You're going to go do your own research. Hold the line, ride it, buy the dip, get the fuck in here, snatch the wigs, ice your balls. Let's see what happens, but most importantly, where we go one, we go all. This has been episode 77 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. We'll be back on Tuesday with Jessica Harlow and Mr. Raheem Kassam of the National Pulse. I'm Roan. Saying bye to my friend Noah. Bye. And the lovely Antoinette Collage. Bye, guys. See you Tuesday. Thanks for listening and take care. I didn't think this night was what was in store for me. Wish I was chilling with my homie KT. So then I dropped on some Anthony B. this costs zero. Oh, well, <laughs> I don't, somebody at the White House has been smoking the devil's lettuce, okay? I, I mean, I mean, I'm just telling you, if they think this is zero, either that or they think the American people are morons and will believe anything.